This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Black Widow. Superhero pose. Too many pockets. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Whoa, what was that? There's a frog in my throat. Uh, Abe, hello. <laughs> that was a film podcast. We're aiming to discuss new movies weekly. <laughs> we dig into movies being most important for review. The occasional commentary track or some other film movie topic. This is episode 459. 459. 459, that's uh, Philadelphia. Is it? Uh, no. <laughs> no idea don't just lie oh, like, like, like an east coast uh, area code don't just lie it's if you unassigned. don't know it. <laughs> it doesn't even have one like that's it the, that's the worst part <laughs> sorry philadelphia <laughs> what are we talking about this week we're t- for episode 459 not an assigned area code we're talking black widow the uh, the first mcu film in two years and um the the launch of phase four and uh joining us to discuss black widow we have from nerd reactor he recently repainted the red room it's mark paces hey what's up man <laughs> <laughs> sorry man i just can't get over uh Abe hitting puberty right now <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry man <laughs> Also joining us from sunny SoCal, still working to erase the red on his ledger, it's Adam Gentry. Hey guys, how you doing? Good. Glad to have you both here, Adam. It's been it's been it's like it's been a minute since you've been on the on the show with us. You know, I, I'm just looking at this as consolation for not being invited on the Avengers podcast <laughs> nine years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm happy to be here, man. <laughs> Glad to have you here for a very fitting episode <laughs> in that matter. And uh, Mark, good to have you back as always, as well. Yeah, good to be here again. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, that's, we're gonna talk. Some, <laughs> we're gonna talk some Black Widow and more in, in a bit here. But first, let's get to some show notes. Uh, first up, commentary track. Uh, it's a new month. It's July. It's been July for a little bit now, actually. But we mm-hmm. do have a new commentary plan. We're gonna record it this week, actually, and it's gonna be for the film Point Break, which celebrates its 30th anniversary. It also is a fun way to go off of our Fast and Furious commentary track last month by doing the movie that inspired <laughs> the Fast and the Furious. Um, say a point break. That's going to be our next commentary. Uh, you can find that once we record it over on iTunes, where you can find all of our commentaries and all of our episodes. Speaking of which, on iTunes, you can also give us a rating and review, which would be wonderful. Tell us your favorite point break line. That'd be great. That'd be great for a review, or just in general, if you just want to just shoot us in your, point too, break, your yeah. favorite point break lines. Because there are a lot of them. Utah. Give me two. Give me two. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I pointed two at, the, at the non-existent camera. So. It's like, why, yeah, it's like 10 a.m. Sandwich, meatball sandwiches. He wants two of them. He, he originally wanted three. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else? Summer Gamble, um, as many update? know. As an update, yes, as many know, we predict the top 10 highest grossing films of the summer at the box office. This year, doing the worldwide box office. Abe and I, along with many other friend, frequent guests of the show, including Adam Gentry, who's here with us today, we all have our predictions in. This week, we had Black Widow open, of course, which is one that's certainly a major player for many of us. According to a very elaborate Disney email that we many of us press received this morning, uh, we were told that the Black Widow made 80 million at the domestic box office weekend, 78 at the international box office. Uh, 
and, and 60 million on Disney Plus, which I take with a giant grain of salt, all the grains, if anything. Uh, but regardless, it does it did open to like a strong like 158 million. So yeah, I mean that's 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 a good start um, as far as the worldwide box office, it's not including start, yeah. not including these these supposedly true Disney Plus numbers. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's a that's a start uh, for the film. So we'll we'll see where that goes. And uh, let's see. Lastly, as far as show notes go, real quick here. Um, last week, um, it was the day after. It was the day after Independence Day, I believe. Yeah, it was July 5th. Uh, Richard Donner, uh, very notable director, uh, passed away at 91. Uh, 91. Certainly lived a long life. And I, I, he had a, a, a pretty large impact as far as like big signature films that are certainly celebrated by a lot. You know, we're talking about superhero movies today. We're talking about Black Widow. And he made Superman the movie, which... You know, not unlike like George Romero, who like invented the zombie film genre, even though there were zombie films before that, but like he like invented like what that genre is. Superman movie, the movie, pretty much invented the superhero movie genre. Like there was no template before he made that movie, as far as like how you tend to make, especially origin story movies. And it stuck around for years, as far as how you make these movies. You look at Superman and how it did it so successfully. And it still stands as, like, one of the best superhero movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Like, along mm-hmm. with that, you have the Lethal Weapon franchise, obviously. You have The Omen, which was a huge horror hit. Uh, and, it, and, of course, The Goonies, which is a childhood favorite of many. Uh, I mean, so there's, <laughs> there, there's, <laughs> there's four four of those alone. And Lethal Weapon's, you know, four movies in itself that he directed all mm-hmm. of them. Like, there's just a lot there. But how you guys, do you guys have any thoughts on, on Richard Donner and his passing here? Adam Mark, open it up. I mean... Other than Spielberg, Richard Donner basically was my childhood. With Superman, The Goonies, even Lethal Weapon. I saw Lethal Weapon as a young kid. Like him and Spielberg were my um, like childhood like favorite directors at childhood mm-hmm. in my during my childhood. So yeah, when I heard he passed, that was a very sad day for me for sure. You know, he, he made you believe a man could fly. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's I think it's really telling, particularly given what the, the MCU has ended up doing, that Kevin Feige was uh, somebody who cut his teeth uh, with Richard Donner. Yeah, he, and got his, he got his start early on working for the Donners, yeah. So it's mm-hmm. one of those cases where, you know, we literally wouldn't be here today talking about this if it wasn't for this man. And, mm-hmm. uh we're thinking of his family, obviously, and, and uh, you know, grateful for the for the legacy he left. Yeah, it was certainly a sad day when I read the news. But 91, what a life, you know what I mean? And just in terms of all the, the work that he put in in the past years that made everybody uh, go to the movies and flock to them. And all the outpouring that I've been reading from Twitter accounts and or just news reports all, seemed like an all-around great guy. Like yeah. there was actually uh, a, uh, mm. a great um, little anecdote from one of the actors in the Goonies. I think it was like Chunk, um, who was like, "Hey man, the Donners paid for my, my college education." Uh, and after after I asked him to proofread my my personal statement, Jeff Cohen, who's the actor, yeah, yeah, and it was uh, it was really nice. So I, I was, you know, what a life to reflect on. And uh, congratulations on your earthly accomplishments. That is the main thing I 
you know know about Donner aside from his filmography it's the fact that he's just generally a nice person like if you ever hear him in interviews or just hear people talk about like he just seems like such a mensch like that's the, that's the impression I've always <laughs> I've always had of Richard Donner that he just seems like the nicest person even mm-hmm. when things had like you know he got fired off Superman too but like he didn't let that stop him he just kept making movies <laughs> like mm-hmm. so it's yeah it's a rest in peace Richard Donner uh, mm-hmm. very strong director all right well let's um Let's move on now. Let's get to so let's uh, let's get to some out now quickies. Jim, each week out now when we do it, talk about quickies. Trademark. Happy with that. Some, <laughs> some summer speed. Uh, summer hey. speed. <laughs> yeah, summer speed. Hey, <laughs> have you seen any other movies this week? I have watched uh, no other movies, but I did catch up on Loki. And you know, if, if we're being honest, it's like a five-hour movie, but. Um, yeah, it's so far so good. The other update that I know everybody is very uh, curious about, no update on uh, our Paul Newman movie. So uh, there you go. Abe has still not finished Cool Hand Luke. Cool Hand Luke. A movie he started, is enjoying, <laughs> and somehow decided, you know what, I should stop this for six weeks. Did you know that they have an official Facebook page for Cool Hand Luke? Of course they do. It's a classic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. I haven't gotten to, you know, one of the, the still images and everybody knows of the uh, the eggs in her mouth, so soon, I guess. All right. <laughs> Adam Gentry, what what have you seen recently? Uh, like uh, Abe, I am uh, an avid Loki guy, so have been have been loving that. Um, I'm all caught up on The Bad Batch, but the one that I wanted to talk, touch on briefly... Um, I watched Thelma and Louise for the first time last night, and oh heavens, that was delightful. Yeah. I just <laughs> thought that was wonderful. Um, the script was fantastic. There was just so much goodness there that I, I'm not – obviously, when it came out, I was about six, so it wasn't really the kind of movie that we'd sit down and watch as a family. Um, but I'm grateful to no longer be six and to have that now be the kind of movie that I sit down and watch with the family because I loved it. Nice. Don't lose his fan. Like it's you know, it, it, you think of Ridley Scott, you know, you think of certain movies. Thelma and Louise is right up there of his best movies. Like it's really, it's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Made you want to go for a drive afterward, Adam? You know, um, it, I wasn't particularly feeling like hopping in the car. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I mean, just, it was infinitely quotable. So funny. A lot of great, great performances see, in there. And great to see Gina Davis. I mean, she she yeah. kind of took a bit of a break. And whatnot, and, and just, again, it's, it's great to see a movie that is widely reputed to be a great movie, and then you watch it, and you say, oh, it's a great movie. It's just exactly what you would hope for. Yeah. That's what I hear about Cool Hand Luke, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> so, everyone's like, this movie is great. Yeah, like, you've watched five hours of a Marvel show that you're like, oh, that's good, I guess, but you could be finishing Alligator cool Loki? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> You're having a bit of a failure to communicate, and uh, you know I'm thinking you should get back on that. <laughs> I, I will. Uh, I will work on it. I, I don't even know if Abe got Absolutely. what you just said. <laughs> no, I didn't. It's all right. It's all right. Eventually, in about a month, he will. Yes, exactly. And I said that like, last well, month, then, Adam. No, I'm going to do that Leo meme pointing at the screen thing. Mark faces. Yes, exactly. What have you seen recently? <laughs> so, like everybody else, I've seen Loki. Um, I've actually seen a lot this week. I've seen, uh, so a particular, 
uh, sale at Barnes & Noble Ew. got me really broke this week. So <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Wong Kar Wai's movies because I bought that. Um, I watched that Tears Gone By last night. Yeah, I saw Chunking Express. I saw Fallen Angels. I saw 2046. I also saw um, Kurosawa's Kagamusha. Um, and because of a particular trailer we're going to talk about um, soon, I've also started Peaky Blinders. I'm starting a rewatch of The Sopranos. I saw the new Space Jam this week. Yeah, there's just been a lot that I've been watching this week. So, yeah, it's it's a lot. So, I got a lot to talk about with uh, the next few things. Love it. A lot of quality going on there. It's yeah. One of the things you've been watching. Yeah. Can't complain of that. Um, I've seen a few things that I'll make note of. First up, I'll mention Fear Street Part 2, colon, 1978. Mm-hmm. It is the second of the Fear Street films, if that was not obvious. Uh, this one is more in the kind of Friday the 13th slasher mode compared to the first one, which is like a mix of things, including slash, like more scream and other things. But uh, I like this one more than the first one. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I did too. I, I like part one just fine. Like it's, there's something about it being an homage to an homage. that's just like, I get what you're doing, but okay. But I, I did like how it like kind of led me to this next one and watching this next one. I was like, yeah, this is like more of my speed. I feel like it just had a better grasp on how to handle the tone. And I feel like I cared a little bit more about the people I was following. That's it. More I do. speed, so more summer speed. More summer speed, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it was at a summer camp, so it all tracks. Um, but I, no, I, I, I do. I, I like this series overall as of now. Uh, <laughs> saying saying this as I've already seen the last one, but I won't say anything about it yet. Uh, but I, I I do appreciate like what it did to kind of build to this one, and then I also like how it leaves off to set you up for the next one. So hmm. uh, I continue to enjoy this Fear Street uh, uh, series. Um, I'll also mention uh, Deep Blue Sea two and three. <laughs> the sequels that you may or may Why not have known these, about. <laughs> well, I watched these because friend of the show, Mark Hoffmeyer, and friend yep. of the show, Jay Cluett, they host a show called Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, where they initially went over the first film scene by scene, uh, mm-hmm. which I was on. And now since they finished that and they're kind of in a transition before they get to the next film they'll be doing this for, they are doing two and three. Um, and I'll be on that podcast literally after we do this podcast. I'm actually recording that episode <laughs> to talk about Deep Blue, a chapter of Deep Blue Sea 3. Uh, 2 is bad. 2 is a bad movie. It is just, mm. it, it is basically just a remake of the first one, but with like lesser actors, lesser direction, and everything else that could be lesser about it. Um, it sucked. It was, it, it, <laughs> I, I felt bad watching it. <laughs> but 3 is actually pretty good. <laughs> like, three does the job. I think largely because it doesn't just replicate the plot of the first film, it just tries to do its own thing, and it's only loosely connected to the second one. Uh, but I think it was more fun. Like, there's... I'm not going to say it's amazing. And that, like, I don't even think the first Deep Blue Sea is amazing, but I do think three does the job as far as shark throws Aaron, go. sharks swim backwards in the first one. Come on. They leap in this one. Oh... There is a because you're not you're, if you're not finishing Cool Hand Luke right now you're not going to watch Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. I'm definitely not going to. Well, I'm, I don't know. You're you're really uh, selling me. I'm up just going to set you up for one thing. There's a part where there's this guy there's these two guys fighting, 
and they're kind of on like the they're like think of it like sea world where like there's like the edge and the pools like right next to the edge where like the people perform uh-huh. and, the, and like the you know like a seal jumps out or something well they're fighting and they're on like the edge of this thing next to some water and and are like the guy that we're rooting for sees the shark coming and he's like on the he's he's on the top of the other guy fighting him and he's like he sees the shark and he's like oh no and he flips around and he pushes the guy up who's fighting and the shark leaps out of the water and bites his head off and goes back in the water it's the best thing i saw <laughs> i'm gonna youtube that as we're podcasting and i'm so happy that's the chapter i'm talking about on this podcast this week. <laughs> <laughs> works out perfectly yeah and that's just one of the many fun things that happened in Deep Blue C3. No subtitle, which there should be. Um, so yeah, that, that, that I've been watching those. And lastly, um, I've been watching some Jackie Chan movies because I was able to get some uh, original uh, copies of them. Like, not the kind of Weinstein cut versions of some of these, but like the actual versions. So I watched the original Drunken Master from 78, directed by Yu Wen Ping. And the original cut of Police Story 3, a.k.a. Super Cop. These are like two of the best Jackie Chan movies, guys. Like, Super Cop has some like insane, like it doesn't get nearly as much. Like I think Police Story One is still like, that's probably Mark. What do you think? Best. Is that like the best? That's the best. Like I tend it's to the best. I tend to think yeah. between that and Police and um, Drunken Master Two are like the top Jackie Chan movies. But like those two movies are top. Super Cop is no slouch though. Like you, you have some yeah. crazy things involving like a train and a helicopter at the end of that movie that are like, how do you do this and not die? Like that's, that's like a lot of the questions I have. And then you like throw Michelle Yeoh in the situation too. It's like these guys are just like destroying people and like having great stunts and whatnot. And then Drunken Master is just a lot of fun. The first one, like it, it's yeah, it does a thing like you know there's there's a couple kinds of martial arts movies and one is the kind where it's like most of it's training until you get to like the final fight uh that's like end of the th- end of the, the 36 chambers is one of my favorite martial art if not my favorite martial arts movie and largely it's because the training stuff is so like compelling because and then you get and to the end intense and it's intense and then it's you get so to the intense. end and there's and there's so much payoff he's like yeah because you trained you did that thing like, so that's what drunken yeah. master is like where it's like yeah because jackie did all the training and now he can fight the guy it's it's a it's a fun movie so yeah jackie chan he's a good guy he, uh, he hey has aaron a... you uh you're gonna you're gonna tell me how you got those uh hookups right yeah i'll, I'll give you some links there. there's some, sweet there's some stuff out there there's a, there's a cool site uh anyway um that's uh that's I, i've just watched the clip of deep blue c3 uh <laughs> with the fight <laughs> better than i expected i told you it's good <laughs> no, i mean like i was still like the way you were describing it, i was like it's probably some hokey like you know straight to video type scenes like no it's actually it looks like they're they're they built a nice set the shark looks fairly competent abe and the kill is actually pretty good <laughs> abe i treat you and the listeners of this podcast with nothing but respect i would not also, sell it looks like the rock <laughs> I, I would I would not sell you short on a scene involving a flying shark decapitating a guy. <laughs> and we know that that shark Maybe did that some serious training. That shark did some serious training to get ready for that. that scene. Really did. Yeah, exactly. This, if you watch it all in context, when it happens, not only am I surprised by the decapitation part, but I'm also thinking, yeah, because the shark did all the training. Like so, it's um, <laughs> it's really important that we get. Jerry that. Seinfeld, everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're back. So that was out now, quickies. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's move on now. Let's get to some trailer talk. We're talking about one of the newest movie trailers of the week, what we thought of it, when it's coming out, and what have you. This week we're talking The Many Saints of Newark. It's not necessarily called colon a soprano story, but that is in like the trailer, and I think that's really silly. But regardless, The Many Saints of Newark is a 
prequel story setting up young Tony Soprano, who is played by Michael Gandolfini, uh, to- the, the late James Gandolfini's son, who looks remarkably like James Gandolfini. Um, the film is from director Alan Taylor, who did franchise favorites Thor The Dark World and Terminator Genesis, um, but also is a esteemed TV director who's done many, many episodes of The Sopranos, among other things, including Game of Thrones. Uh, David Chase, of course, the creator of The Sopranos, he is back here as well in full capacity, and we are just seeing the the teenage years of Tony Soprano and other characters that we, those familiar with the show, might have heard about in you know various stories or whatnot that have set up some of the characters in the actual TV series. I am a huge Sopranos fan. I offhand generally say it's my favorite TV show of all time, uh, so the prospect of getting more of this in some capacity uh, excites me, and you have a strong cast here, along with this young Gandolfini, you have Alessandro Nivola, uh, John Bernthal, Vera Farmiga, Corey Stoll, uh, and, and Ray Liotta making this like a full circle thing as far as the <laughs> Goodfellas references that go on in Sopranos a lot. But anyway, that's enough for me. Mark, you said you're wa- you're watching Sopranos now. Are, where, are you excited for re-watching. the many? Re-watch, re-watching the Sopranos. Are you yeah. excited for the many yeah. scenes of new work? Oh, absolutely. It's been a while since I've seen. I know you've um, rewatched it recently, right? Yes, I did. Aaron? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like you, I'm like. Oh, okay. I should rewatch it too because there are a lot of references that I vaguely familiar um, are familiar with, but then you know I totally forgot about you know uh, the uncle situation with uh, Tony Soprano, and I'm like, okay, forgot about that. So maybe I should rewatch it. And so because of the many saints of Newark, I've just been on a very mob binge this past week. Mm-hmm. So I've been. Like I said, I've been rewatching Sopranos, started Peaky Blinders, so I'm I'm gonna be ready for November, I take October, it. October or beginning of October. October. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll be I'm gonna be ready for October by the time uh, the movie comes out. Like so, I, yeah, I, think I'm, I, I'm I, I think I saw this. It's eight. We're like literally 86 days away from this movie opening, and there are 86 episodes of the Sopranos, so you have all that time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One per day. One per day. Yeah, and you can make it there. You're going to finish it before I finish Cool Hand Luke. Yeah, yeah, yeah I hope pretty not. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, are you a Sopranos fan? Did you ever watch The Sopranos? So I started The Sopranos a few years back, um, and then I ended up falling off of it. Uh, some life stuff got in the way. wasn't able to. Well, that's not true. I mean, I have been able to. I just haven't gotten back to it. I hear that. Um, There's, like, good I'm things not you watch. Sure, but, yeah. I'm not sure which episode I'm on. So it's a case of me needing just to buckle down and do the do the research. And make sure I know where I'm at and then being able to go for it. I do mm-hmm. like The Sopranos. You know, I'm, I enjoyed uh, what I saw. I, obviously, you know, stuff like Godfather or whatever. Big fa- big favorites of mine. So this kind of fits into that. Um, I also love the E Street Band. So any chance to hang out with Steve Van Zandt is awesome. <laughs> um, and this movie looks really cool. Uh, I love the fact that they got his son to, uh, to play a young Tony. I think that's about the best situation you could possibly hope for, given that Mr. Gandolfini is no longer with us. Um, but yeah, I it, it is a, a good reminder for me to to cool hand Luke this and get back on the saddle and and finish it. And uh, I'm looking forward to the movie. <laughs> how about you? Are you excited for the many saints of Newark? Uh, I, I guess I am. I mean, I, from everything you guys are saying that it's, uh, the prequel, I have not seen the Sopranos, so I'm the odd man out on this, uh, discussion. 
Not because I haven't. Not because I, I'm not interested. I mean, I was around when it, it when it hit its peak. Uh, we were here, and we were certainly hearing about it. And I've certainly read the things about the series finale, and I've seen clips uh, throughout the various shows. And I've, I've read on to, you know, read where the, all the actors have continued to do additional work. Um, but with this trailer, I mean, does it look like a standard, you know, crime boss kind of trailer? Yes, it does. But at the same time, like, I think that there's like a, a, a strange there's an intensity there that I'm I'm kind of afraid of in, in a way of like, oh, maybe this is going to be an ultra violent movie. And. Those kind of movies where it's like crime and murder and mayhem, where it's like really pumped up on the screen. Those are the movies where I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, I, I appreciate this because otherwise, like, you know, why are we making these kinds of movies? Um, it looks kind of like darkish in ter- the actual color of the of the film itself. Uh, so I'm curious if everything's like just overcast in New York uh, all the time. But um, yeah, great cast here. And I, I love that um, Alessandro Nivola. Mm-hmm. Like, I was first introduced to him as um, one of the Troy brothers in Face Off. Caster Troy. (laughs) Sorry, Pollux Troy. I think Pollux, yeah, Yeah, Pollux Troy. And so I was like, oh, look at this guy here. And then every movie that he's done, he's like a badass in all of his movies. He is. I'm like, this is, why did he take this role? Like, John Woo was like, let's get that guy who's going to go on to be like a director and an actor. And uh, let's just cast him like this. This like smart weak brother, but um, no, the cast looks great, and uh, I'm I'm curious to see how it goes. I mean, hopefully it doesn't fall into like some weird like um, I'm gonna do homages to all the people that I loved before me, like Francis Ford Coppola and um, and uh, Marty, because uh, we we know him personally, so we call him Marty. Um, <laughs> so hopefully it just doesn't fall into like here are all these needle drops and cool things, but who knows. I will say that David Chase is a smart guy, and yeah. as much as the trailer selling a certain thing, which I think makes sense as far as how do you mass market a mob movie to an audience, well, you don't go on the weird quirks that this TV show had, you make it more quote-unquote generic. That said, you're not wrong about the look. I am curious, I mean, it's taking on cinematic form versus the show, which is, it's a TV show, even for HBO, it's still, part of the point of The Sopranos was that it made the kind of glossiness of some mob movies into the banal. Like, the mob work that we watch, yes, there is violence on occasion, but it's also very, like, day-by-day, by-the-numbers type of presentation of how you see Tony Soprano and his, his, you know, his various enforcers or whatnot kind of go throughout their daily lives. And I, I am curious if a film version is going to retain that to some degree or go for a more stylized approach, which it seems to because mm-hmm. it's a period drama, so that kind of already puts it in a certain category. But I don't think David mm-hmm. Chase would, would would touch this if he didn't think he had it. I agree. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. But um, regardless, I, I am excited for it as well. I, as I mentioned, huge Sopranos fan. And from the look of things so far, I, I, I want to be confident that this can uh, be a nice, I don't know if epilogue is the right word, but just like a, a revisit uh, with this kind of universe. Mm-hmm. Um, Many Saints of Newark arrives in theaters and HBO Max simultaneously oh. on October 1st this year. Yeah. All right. Can't wait for the game version. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those did well uh, for the Sopranos, right? Right? <laughs> I mean, they had a game. <laughs> the Many Saints of Tupelo is coming, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> the Lack of Saints of Red Bank. Like, that's another one that I think is mm. right on there. All right. That's, uh, that's our trailer talk. Let's go move on now. Let's get to our main review for Black Widow. 
I tell people my sister moved out west. You're a science teacher. Your husband, he renovates houses. You're thinking about moving, but you're gonna wait until the interest rates go down. That's not my story. Before I was an Avenger, I made mistakes. He's called Science Taskmaster. He controls the Red Room. They're manipulated, fully conscious, but no choices. I should have come back for you. How many others are there? Enough. All right. That should have been some of the trailer for Black Widow. Scarlett Johansson debuted as Natasha Romanoff, a.k.a. the Black Widow, in 2010's Iron Man 2. Since then, she's appeared in various Avengers and Captain America films. Despite the events of Avengers Endgame, the announcement of a solo film meant giving the fans a chance to see Romanoff in action at least one more time. Set between the events of Civil War and Infinity War, this film follows Romanoff's time attempting to stay off S.H.I.E.L.D.'s radar, leading her to a reunion with her estranged family of Russian spies. As it turns out, the program that created the Black Widows are up to no good and will take a family of spies to stop it for good. Adam Gentry, I am aware that you are a large fan of the Black Widow character. I am curious now, what did you think of her finally having her own solo film? Yeah, so Black Widow, Aaron's exactly right. My favorite Avenger pretty much always has been. uh, I grew up with DC Comics as far as reading the actual uh, comics went. But when it came to when it comes to world building, I think Marvel's got it in spades. Um, so my primary exposure to these characters has been through the MCU. Um, mm-hmm. And given that I've got a, um, a martial arts background, I really love the fact that Natasha is not doesn't have superpowers. It's everything's just all it's all skill, lots of training, all that jazz. Um, I enjoyed the film. I do wish it had come out about five or six years ago. Uh, I felt like if it had come out during phase three, it would have resonated a bit differently, um, particularly given the events of Avengers Endgame mm-hmm. with Natasha. It's tough to watch the movie and get and for me, at least it was tough for me to watch it and fully get into it, knowing that this character isn't going to be part of the MCU going forward. Um, it checks a lot of boxes, so it does a lot of the things it needs to do. It's really uh, it's a lot of fun it's got a lot of cool things to say about uh, maybe cool things is the wrong word it's got a lot of it makes some some insightful points about the the treatment of of women not just in superhero movies but uh, in the world that we live in mm-hmm. um there's a lot of great action uh david harbour is great florence Pugh, i thought walked away with the movie i thought she was fantastic um really enjoyed that so yeah i i'm is it the Black Widow movie that I hoped I've hoped for for almost ten years? No, it's not. Mm-hmm. But is it really solid and lots of fun? Yes. So that's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. All right, Mark Paces. I know you're a big Marvel fan in general. What did you think of Black Widow? When I saw it the first time, I thought it was okay. Like I thought that you know the whole family aspect of the movie is great, but the villains are probably the weakest of the entire MCU, like, period. Like, I'm like I'm big on the whole... Um, I've been reading the comics since forever, and Taskmaster is probably one of my favorite villains. He's got, like, 
a lot of character to him and the way that he was well the way that taskmaster was like Mm -hmm. a silent villain for a majority of the movie when he has so much life in like the comics the tv shows cartoons the video games it just kind of made me sad because i feel like it's a very wasted opportunity and i love ray winstone he's a fantastic actor but I feel like he was kind of miscast as Drakov, especially when, you know, he tries to have a Russian accent, but sometimes <laughs> when he talks, it just completely disappears. And that kind of takes me out of the movie in general because I just hear Ray Winstone's, is he English, Irish, Scottish? I don't, <laughs> I mean, whatever his accent is, I hear uh-huh. more of that than I do his Russian accent. So that kind of takes me out of um, the context of the movie. But that being said, I love that um, I love Florence Pugh in this movie. She, I feel like they made this movie to be more of a setup for Yelena than a black uh, Natasha Romanoff movie because she is going to continue on with the MCU. And she just, like, knocked it out of the park. I mean, she was great throughout the entire movie. I, But I also feel like this is um, kind of a good way to say goodbye to Natasha because we get to see her for, like, one last time. Yeah, uh, like I said, the whole family aspect is great. David Harbour, Rachel Weisz, like, incredible. But it's just the villain's part that, you know, kind of makes me sad and mm-hmm. why I thought it was okay. But second time around... I accepted those flaws and, you know, was um, entertained throughout. So it's it's it was much better the second time around, knowing that part. Well, Mark, as you know, knowing is half the battle. G.I. <laughs> <laughs> Joe! Abe, <laughs> what, what is your, big exci- your excitement level for seeing a Black Widow movie? What did you think of this film? I mean, my excitement level has kind of just been all attend or I'll go to the restaurant whenever they have like a, a new item on the menu. So it hasn't really been like I'm salivating <laughs> at the I'm trying to be at the bit for like a Black Widow movie, but it's more just like yeah, I love this back. restaurant. Let me get this. Yeah, yeah. I love I love this like uh, restaurant and uh, they've got a new uh, double double on the menu and let, let's go check it out. Um this time it's tomato wrapped. But um <laughs> I this is the best episode of Tiny Detective season two that I've seen in my life. Um, because Scarlett and Florence are both like five, five foot three. I love the scene that I love the most in Marriage Story is not like there's a lot of great scenes, but there's a scene where she's walking out of like a sound set uh, with like people that are much taller than she is, and you're like, oh, Scarlett Johansson is pretty short, uh, but you know, movie magic. With all that being said, this is a very serviceable movie. This is a movie I I'm, I'm, I agree with Adam a lot in that. I think that the impact might have been more profound three, four years ago uh, for it to have its own legs and be like, great, you know what? This is a really key essential part of uh, what she was doing during the when she was like running away from Tony Stark and also General uh, Secretary General Ross. So it'd be one of those things where it's cool to have your own adventure and then see, like, I, I guess, maybe like feel the impact of the loss of Natasha Romanov. At Endgame, because I was like, okay, cool. You know, the scene in, in in Infinity War is not, or is it Endgame? Endgame, Endgame. is not terrible, because uh, I did feel 
a sense of of sadness there. It's just that the way that this movie ends is like, cool, I have something to hold on to now. And now there's like a, a willingness for me to accept that I've been a bad person and I'm working on it. But also there's also people here that were in that bad situation with me that can all, that can also relate to the these feelings that I'm feeling. Um, and so it, it's kind of like, um, it's not that it, it doesn't lack a punch. It's like the punch is there. It's just, it probably could have been better. This is better than something like, I feel like Captain Marvel, where Captain Marvel looked like it felt like it serviced the the entire Phase Three in a way that was like, hey, I just need to introduce you guys to a character here, and have that character have you guys at least know who this character is before I before she does really cool stuff in uh, the final two uh, movies. Um, Which is the, so, the, la- the last twenty minutes of one movie. The last twenty minutes of one movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, I think that for this one, what's interesting about this movie uh, is that it it actually has a lot of really good ideas it doesn't really expand on a lot of them too too much which is i think a bummer because it just has really cool spy spycraft ideas it really has has like a really interesting like emotional through line for all the these family members um and what i actually really liked about this movie the most is the family aspect not so much like oh we're a family and we should you know vin diesel this up no, more just whenever I'm seeing all four of them on the screen and they're having interactions, whether it's tense or funny, those are really those those are like the the highlight of the movie for me. And then the ultra highlight is basically any scene with David Harbour in this movie. Like, yes, Florence Pugh is fantastic in her own right in this movie, but all the scenes where David Harbour is in there, I'm like, yeah, this is it's like it's fun, but it's also like kind of like emotionally heavy. Yes, Florence Pugh brings a lot of it to the table, too. There's, like, some great emotional crying scenes in this movie. But I, I just really love David Harbour, and I was like, yeah, I, this guy is, like, a funny guy. But also, I didn't in, I didn't anticipate a, a character actor that I saw in uh, Black Mass to be, like, one of my favorite actors coming out of that movie. Um, but... You're doing better than I. They're remembering that Black Mass exists and he's in it. <laughs> yeah, state question, and then Johnny Depp just grills him, and he's just like, "Oh, oh that's that's, did I... that's right. I remember. Okay, now I remember this. The trailer. <laughs> yeah. So, it, with all that being said, th- this is a very serviceable movie. I think that there's too many ideas for it to key in on really doing something great about the character and something great about the movie. Like, if they were trying to go for an oomph of a. Uh, uh, a winter soldier or an oomph of even like a, I guess maybe a civil war. I guess you can't really do civil war though, because there's too many characters or there's not as many characters. It doesn't really achieve that, but it does feel better than, than a stepping stone movie. Like, is it one of the, like the top 10 or I don't know how many are. There's 24. The, the, this is the 24th movie. Yeah. Is it in the top 10? Maybe not, but it's, it certainly is like um, a worthy installment uh, I just kind of like even it's weird because even with like the impact or even with like the outcome of of, of Endgame, uh, I am curious if they if they could have done something else differently for the ending, like the 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 first ending of this movie. There's obviously a a stinger credit, but I'm curious if they would have done something differently, like uh, to make me feel as though like you know she's definitely not coming back, and so this is like where she leaves people, but at the same time like you know. Uh, it could have been maybe handled in a different way. I'm not saying that it was bad. It was just like, okay, cool. I, I'm I'm curious if maybe there was like a different way to be like, farewell and thanks for all the fish. But uh, yeah, it certainly is a, a it's like an entertaining movie in its own right. 
if you want to hear, you know, me say it's a fun Marvel movie, well, you got that. Like, that's what it is. But does it amount to a whole lot? I don't necessarily think so. I don't think it's bad by any means. I think it does a lot of things quite well. But you guys have all touched on pretty much all the things that I thought about it as well. The things that work really work. Florence Pugh and David Harbour are very good in this movie. Pugh is obviously being set up for more but, you know, part of the issue with this movie is that it's called Black Widow, and while it is about Black Widows, you kind of have this character running away with the movie compared to Scarlett Johansson, who's also very good in this movie. It's nothing that she hasn't done eight times already, but I mean, there's... And it's... I'm, I'm even hesitant to say there's more here, because honestly, one of my biggest issues with the movie, we can get into the positioning of it. Yes, it would have worked better or more effectively from an emotional standpoint if the movie came out earlier because then it would give more gravitas to what happens in Endgame or whatever. Even then, though, like, I feel like that only matters now where, like, if you guys rewatch these movies later on, you could just watch this, you know, be after Civil War and kind of, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I have the same kind of impact that you wanted. Obviously, you can't do that right now. It kind of separates that because you're in a current mind state. I feel like, you know, two years from now or whatever, when you're like, let's do the rewatch again. And you're like, oh yeah, we should do it this order. Like mm-hmm. probably have a big room. Regardless, that's not my main issue. Like that's a, that's a whole different thing. We can talk about that. The, the thing I had a problem with is that this is a movie called black widow thinking, making me think, okay, let's explore who black widow is. And I don't think there's anything here that gives us anything new to grasp onto that. We didn't get more effectively in the two Avengers movies that address her past. I think the first one and Age of Ultron, particularly Age of Ultron, actually, the the minutes of flashbacks we see to what she went through to become this person, I feel like is far more harsh than anything we get in this movie that should ideally deliver on who she is. Like, we've been teased about the red on her ledger since 2012's Avengers, right? I, I don't know what that is still beyond, I guess she did bad stuff. Does this movie explain any of that stuff? No, not really. I mean, it, and the, the one thing that's bad that she did do kind of gives us an out based on context. I'm not, sure. I'm not saying that I needed a Disney-produced Marvel movie to give me this, like, gritty, hardcore spy film where Natasha's bad and, like, murders a bunch of people. At the same time it still feels like there's a lot of kid gloves on a movie like this that is dealing with things like you mentioned, Abe, that's dealing with some particularly interesting and heavy topics that, you know, do cross into the real world. Things like human trafficking and toxic men. Like, that's interesting stuff. Again, yes, it is a PG-13 all audiences Marvel movie. I'm not expecting that to do nearly as much heavy lifting as it sh- as it could if it was, was, you know, something else. But... When you tease that stuff to me, and you've set up a character for eight other movies, I kind of feel like this is the movie you kind of explore that a little bit, and it just doesn't really go there. On the other hand, it's a good action movie. Like, there's good action stuff in here. I like. I I think uh, director Kate Shortland does a fine job. I can't say that there's anything that stands out as far as anything swing, swinging away from the house style of Marvel. It feels like a Marvel movie. Um, I'm not saying there are other directors that I think have done like things that make their movies stand out more. This just feels like it fits kind of in with the rest of them. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm just, you know, if you're going to talk about ambition, I'm not seeing a lot here. It's hard to make a movie. I get that, but you know, it's just, mm-hmm. there's only so much to go off of really. I think the highlights do come down to the cast and the sense of humor that Marvel movies tend to have. I do think the family dynamic gives you a lot of that even if the second act kind of slogs a bit because we're dealing with just the family. But even then, you know, Harbor, Wise, Pew, Jahan, like that's a fun combo of people. 
And there's a big action finale that I actually liked more than some of the other giant action finales because it didn't feel... It felt more, like, I don't know, nested into the plot as opposed to we need to have more and more and more. Um, so, overall, like, yeah, I like the movie. I just wish... Like, you're basically mentioned, like, the things it's hitting on, I wish it would hit those harder. And it just kind of doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, <laughs> one of the things I want to chat about, too, is the characters, right? So, just every character in general. But I, I think that this is a... If you've seen Scarlett Johansson's career progress, she's really a great actor like great you know yeah. if you've seen jojo rabbit and if you've seen um uh marriage story she brings a lot to the table and i'm glad that this movie kind of lets her bring her actor powers to the table um because there are scenes in here where i was like i don't know why there's like a mist in my eye right now but i, I think it's because i'm seeing these two people speak on the screen here and they're actually bringing something to it rather than just line reading and so i, I was happy that that was it gave an uh, it gave Scarlett a chance to shine, but uh, yeah, it, it is kind of like a, a bummer that maybe like the the ledger stuff. Yes, I get it, but yes, there was like one main one with with the <laughs> the, the opening of the film. There's kind of a an expanded prologue, and then it goes into the the title sequence. The and very I felt mo- like the, the t- very moody title sequence. <laughs> yeah, I, well, the title sequence has this great cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit by Think Up Anger featuring Malia J, which I thought was great. I really liked mm-hmm. the title sequence. I thought, and I think that this cues in on what you guys were, were commenting on. You know, it, it kind of hints at this very, really dense idea of what it means to be an exploited person, what it means to be, you know... It's weird. It's hard to describe the widows as being trafficked because it's not necessarily in the way that we think of trafficking in the world today. But it's there's a lot of parallels. And I yeah. really thought that opening sequence was kind of like you guys were saying, sets up a lot of stuff that then we don't really get into. And I thought it was it was really effective. And I wish that the film, like you guys said, kind of went more into the realities of that. You know, we could even had some kind of like Jason Bourne esque. Yeah flashback to see all the lousy stuff she'd done in a truncated way that wouldn't overpower the film that's what i i don't know it was i you know would have liked that that's what i figured this would be i thought this was going to be a movie that would like explore that in the ways that it could like yeah i don't like i said i don't need a full-on like you know let's see all the horrible murder missions she went on but like yeah just give give me something to make me understand what this past is that she's so Mm -hmm. ashamed of and it just sidesteps a lot of that and anytime it does deal with it it's things that you know apply directly to the villains that we're watching or things that feel like like a cop-out more than anything it feels like we're kind of well, it we're, also we're just like lands specifically mm-hmm. around like one central character which is herself and it's like well what happened to me like what happened to my past which is why your your idea of like the born thing adam is is a really interesting idea of just like hey what just have her trace back then, you know what I mean? That's the entire plot is just she needs to trace back. And then along the way, she stumbles upon these people that she's met or people that she's hurt and, and or uh, impacted. Um, kind of like in the way that, that you might have seen like a scene from Tony Stark when he gets the card from or the picture from the the grieving mom. And I was like, that would be uh, Alfred Woodard. Be, uh, yeah, I was exactly. thinking uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. How he's just going around, you know, making amends with all the people he's hurt on his book. Oh, yeah, yeah. No uh, dates, though. 
and 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 that's the thing where you know a series can explore that i'm not saying i needed a black widow series to counter this but i do i don't think it's unreasonable to think a screenplay could incorporate something like that that's now that's that's me bordering on what this movie should be and you know i don't like to do that and i'm not doing that but in terms of what I think the flaw is going to be so mad when she hears this podcast, what I think the flaw of this movie is, is that it doesn't take the opportunity to own some of the things that it's clearly presenting within the story, but not delving into. And that's a shortcoming of the film. Yeah. And, and I couldn't figure out if that was because, hey, we needed to make this a Marvel movie. We also needed to make this like um, a blockbuster. We also needed to make this um, like an, an all audience sort of. Movie. And I hate to say like, oh, the, you know, you're not the right audience for a movie. It's like. Any any audience is the right audience for a movie. That's, that's just the point depends, of these. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It depends if like you have the attention span to like watch something like, you know, um, some French New Wave movie. Adam, name one of your favorites. But um, yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's no, no Pierre LeFou, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think too. You know, we yeah. I think Aaron mentioned Age of Ultron, and I mm-hmm. think that for my money, Age of Ultron has one of the best ever Black Widow scenes where she's talking with Banner. Mm-hmm. Um, right after he gets out of the shower and she's talking about what's been done to her. Now that's a problematic scene for some people because of the use of the word monster mm-hmm. and the context. And particularly now that it's, we know a little more about Joss Whedon, it gets tricky. Um, but at the time and still it was something that really resonated for me. And I took it one way to really just her, her talking about how she'd been brutalized and how her future had been taken from her in a way that she would never be able to get back. And I did like that there's a scene on a helicopter in this movie where that's referenced uh-huh. uh, more mm-hmm. in a more comedic way that I thought worked. But yeah, I, I do wish there had been something on the level of that scene from Age of Ultron that had really just delved into, you know, the, the scars that she has, aside from this kind of vague notion of, yeah, I did some, some lousy stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, Adam, were you surprised that Julie Delpy wasn't in this movie? Uh, I was thinking she might be. Right. I mean, it would have been nice. Like, it makes me wonder if there was, you know, some other things going on as far as production stuff compared to story stuff. Because, it's like, they said her character. Like, this is a series that brings back Peter Billingsley from the first Iron Man to be a key player in Spider-Man Far From Home. So I'm thinking, maybe <laughs> it's not it's not out of this world for me to think, well, they brought in Julie Delphi, a known actress, to be an Age of Ultron. Now there's a Black Widow movie. You could probably easily have her in this, but they didn't. Like it, it's like a, it's just stuff like that where it's like, yeah, we we got a hint of like some really harsh things, and yeah, Adam, you're mentioning that one scene in this movie where it's like, yeah, that's that's some horrific stuff that they're not just not necessarily playing off, but yes, it's ideally it's presented more in a comedic fact, but it's like you could go there if you wanted to, and I, I'm, yeah. I'm saying it's, the same, it's I'm saying the same because thing. Like, so it's, it's, yeah, because like in that scene, and, and I, I won't get into details of it, but in that scene, I was like, oh, I wonder if she said that because as an athlete, you know, as a superior athlete, you actually don't get these bodily functions. So ask any like gymnast that is competing in the Olympics right now, and they're going to say probably no, right? And I was like, oh, that's probably the reason why. And then like the real reason, I was like, this is sad. Like, this is terrible. Um this so I wasn't also, expecting that, which is like a great segue to like what you guys are saying of there actually are terrible, horrific things that happened to these people that were put into this program, abducted, you know, purchased whatever that trafficked into this program that we just don't get into. And, you know, I, I think like, the other thing that, that kind of really, really hurts this, not that it hurts it, but it's just one of the uh, a wink, weak link, so to say. It's like at the end there when when uh, 
when things are sort of wrapping up, one of the characters, one of the side characters is just like, what do we do now? It's like, just run away as far as you can and live your own life. And I was like, what a great way to, to end that downer of a story. <laughs> well, we've done the investment too. I mean, they we've done the heavy lifting with this character over the course of what, almost 10 years. I mean, we've, yeah. we've been there. Like if, if the film wants to go there, you know, we can do this. Um, and I, I feel like, in a way, somebody like Ryan Coogler with, with Black Panther did a more effective job at, at presenting a lot of really complex ideas about identity and ethnicity and racial politics and, mm-hmm. and, and did it with a character that we didn't really know much of, with the exception of a little time in Civil War. And it's just, yeah, it's just a missed opportunity that we've invested so much in Natasha that we really, it wouldn't have taken as much set up to really go there. Mm-hmm. But I think that kind of speaks to like what Aaron was saying about director stamps. It's like I, Kate has made some films that I haven't seen. Um, but War is the big one that, um, as far as kind of the films like uh-huh. is part of like her filmography. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that like Adam, you're totally right. You know, like it, it took me like a, like three watches of black Panther to be like, I actually, this is a very complex story. <laughs> Because it's not just like, oh, the good guys are the good guys. It's like, no, the good guys can sometimes be the bad guys that don't know it. And the bad guys can see themselves as the good guys, and they actually really are the good guys. Because like the stuff with like the stuff with like Sterling K. Brown, I'm like, this stuff is really fascinating. And it's like right, really and, Mi- and Michael B. Jordan, of course. I mean, it, and Michael Jordan, there's a reason yeah, why yeah. he's considered what you know one of, if not the best Marvel villain as far as no, totally. Yeah, yeah, but but like you know, specifically like the, the stuff that Sterling K. Brown is saying to him during. Um, the flashback sequence and whatever else too, uh-huh. like no tears for me, and and also like what he wanted to accomplish versus like what he did get to accomplish. It's like it's very profound stuff. So yeah, I think for this movie, it is, it is what it is. You know, like again, I think all of us are entertained by it, um, but maybe it could have just been deeper. I do want to actually want to ask you real quick, yeah. just to keep on that for a second. I, I I will say yeah, you're not wrong as far as. That's why I find it a valid complaint because there are other Marvel movies that have been able to address their themes more specifically where this one kind of skirts it and other movies have skirted it too as far as ideas that are in the background that are kind of delved into but maybe they have something mm-hmm. more entertaining that overweighs that or, or not and they're just worse films. Because I will say that I do think this one does a better job, Mar- Adam you mentioned this, um, than Captain Marvel. I think Captain Mar- I think this movie does a better job of addressing similar points than Captain Marvel does where – that film felt like it just like randomly inserted like Jude Law being this kind of like this guy that controls with women and whatnot. And it's like it wasn't made relevant enough for that to be a major theme by the end of the movie where she like gets back at him. Where this movie feels like, yeah, all right, I, I can I can buy into like that aspect of what they're selling a little bit more. It feels like the yeah. work has been done to get me there. So it like and in that manner, it's like, yeah, it wins part of the idea of what it's going for thematically. It just there's yeah. just still more there <laughs> that could have been explored. Yeah. I, I do want to uh, keep on moving on characters here. I do want to talk about uh, Dreykov real quick. And I agree with you, uh, Mark, about some of the accent stuff. But I think overall, like, the character is an exposition character. And that part, I was just yeah. like, we could have we really worked this in a lot better. Like, you oh, know, yeah, like, he's monologuing for a lot. <laughs> yes, yeah. He, like, there was a part where I was like, you just did what the Incredibles told me not to do, which is like, yeah. Oh, you got me monologuing, you sly dog. And it literally works out the way that she wants it to. But, you know, I, I think that there was like a lot of, like, villain exposition here. So that kind of leads me into Taskmaster, which is, like, this is a really cool character. 
Like, I, I don't really know who this character is, but just the way that they can mimic your fight sequence and fight patterns, pretty great. Um, not a whole lot to do, but at the same time, uh, yeah, I guess it was a pretty cool character that maybe maybe we'll see later. I don't know. I don't know how that works out. Well, Mark, you only with much more life. <laughs> yeah. Because but... he's, very, he's very cocky in the way that, because he knows you inside and out, because he can mimic your movements, right? So... In his head, he's very cocky in a way. He's like, oh, whatever you do, I know what you're going to do before you even do it. So I'm just going to trash talk you while I'm kicking your ass, you know, doing it. Mm-hmm. So he's got he's a character with a lot of life to him. And he's competent know. Deadpool. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, maximum effort. Yeah. Except I think Deadpool would probably sing anything you can do, I can do better. I don't think Taskmaster would. (laughs) Yeah, while you're killing him, and then he pieces himself back together. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know what to expect in the future from Taskmaster, but I'm sitting in the middle between you and and Mark on this, where it's like, yeah, comics-wise, this is an interesting... It's a neat character to have, and it's one of those where, like, 85% of it is, like, the look. As far as like what intrigues me yeah. about Taskmaster, like it's a cool costume, but it's like there's something oh, yeah. there's something there that makes that a compelling mm-hmm. villain to watch. And I think this movie it gets the kind of unstoppable Terminator vibe of it down. Like that's neat. Oh yeah, that's a good that's a good comparison. Yeah, that yeah. that's neat as and especially when it's given that there's an objective base to how this right. character functions. Like if you're not <laughs> the target, then it doesn't need to bother you. Like that's that's always neat to me as far as there's a lot of mind control stuff in this movie but <laughs> but outside of that it's like yeah we i mean we we get a story and we solve things relatively quickly and it's like okay like <laughs> again it's just like there's ideas here and we could do more with these things but sure, it's also sure. a 134 minute movie which is overlong as it is so it's like i don't know what the change would be <laughs> to make this better but mm-hmm. yeah i just i i like I like seeing Taskmaster in action. I just wish it meant more, I guess. Mm-hmm. He could have been the Darth Vader-esque type of character that this movie needed. Because he's the henchman. He's the, you yeah. know... He's like the, the big bad. Yeah. Well, I guess there's the, a different big bad. The, the, yeah, the, the, yeah the there's a different big bad. Yeah. But yeah, he's the henchman to the big bad. Yeah. I actually really liked the direction that they they took... The Taskmaster character. And again, I don't have the attachment to uh-huh. the comic iteration that Mark does. So mm-hmm. I'm coming at it from a different angle. But I thought that where they go with it, particularly with the last line of dialogue that the Taskmaster character has, yeah. I thought was one of the times when they really dialed in hard and really well on the theme. That's one funny. of the themes that they were talking about. Yeah. So again, different perspective because I don't have the history with the character but i think too one of the things that you guys were were mentioning as far as you know taskmaster not having a ton to do i felt like that with several of the action sequences where there's a lot of really cool action sequences they're just a little too short they end a little too quickly like the yeah the skydiving one from the trailer it's Uh. fantastic love it and then Mm -hmm. it's over and i'm thinking no 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 don't hit the shoot yet like Let's do some more acrobatics. Let's do some fun stuff with the camera moving in and out of debris. Let's do this. And, and now it's over. It's like it was great. But but on the flip side, we have not touched on, and we probably can't, but there is a great kind of almost Ocean's Eleven-esque bit where 
you kind of see why Natasha does some of the things she does in mm-hmm. a particular scene, and I thought that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I wait, those are Terry Benedict's casinos. <laughs> He's too short for her. Um, I I don't disagree with you, Adam, because I think that's there's specific things that we know about Black Widow based on these movies. And I do think that she's able to pull off one of those key things in that sequence that I think works really well, just in, from her side of it, I guess. The Ray Woodstone side. <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. But, yeah. I, but, I, but I think the, the kind of the attitude she brings to that sequence, I do think fits with like, oh, yeah, that's what we know. That's a thing we know about this character that can ha- they can handle that. And uh, I do think that's effective. Well, you guys are getting to another question I have, which is like the action set pieces. Did you guys want to call any out? Because I certainly think that first action sequence of them getting on the plane and, and evading, pretty good. Yeah, it set it up so great in the beginning scene. Mm-hmm. I, 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 the thing I was looking forward to in this movie was that it was going to be more of a grounded action film. Obviously, it's a Marvel movie, so you know, there's take that with a grain of salt. But I did like that it did focus on like people these are humans that are doing stuff so what do we do to put those and put them into exciting scenarios and so Mm -hmm. i I think there's a number of like fights that work really well based on that and one of those is honestly the opening fight between um pew and johansson they get into a brawl with each other when they meet that's pretty like violent for it's like it's a it's a born kind of scene as far as we're just in a kitchen in a living room we're just going to beat the hell out of each other like that's a that's a fun knockdown drag out fight that they have that doesn't go on super long but it's like oh that's fun like i Mm -hmm. seeing people go horizontal through a doorway is pretty entertaining to me (laughs) and then that feeding into the the motorcycle chase i thought the motorcycle chase oh yeah solid chase Yeah. yeah You know, you, Adam, you mentioned that some of them are too short. I don't necessarily disagree with you. At the same time, part of my issue was some, like Winter Soldier, for example, a film that I otherwise really like. I think that ending sequence goes on forever. So, like, I was kind of with a movie where I was like, we could, we don't need these to go, like, stretch to the lengths that they need to all the time. We can kind of... Wait, is the ending of Winter Soldier the missile silo, or...? They are, no, mi- that's Civil no, War. No, Civil War. Civil Winter Soldier is when they have Civil three War. helicarriers because one's not good enough. Oh, and right, they're like, yes, wait, yeah, And yeah. it's just, like... It's like Falcons everywhere. Winter Soldier and Cap are like having the longest dude battle ever. Like, yeah. and like Robert Redford's saying hail Hydra because he needs that money. It's just a lot of stuff that's happening. Killed his own maid. <laughs> Where like again, I don't, I think that, I mean that's a top five Marvel movie for me. But it just yeah, yeah. the the climax of that just it feels like it goes on forever. Where this one it feels like all right, like we've actually got some. Right. We, we, it feels like we've we've um, smoothed out some things here and just yeah. went with what's needed. Also, that prison escape is a lot of fun. I really like the prison escape. The prison escape, escape yeah. is fun. The prison yeah. escape is really fun. I, 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 I do want to say, like, the casual death count in this, very high. <laughs> so, yeah. They're, they're joking a lot, but she shoots, like, Florence Blue shoots a missile at, like, a tower. It's like, there's people that died in that seat. And then she's like, how's that for whatever she's got like a cool line but uh, i was like there's a lot of dead people in this movie but it's fine because they're all spies i guess um adam i want to i want to talk about like your your scene that you're talking about like the parachuting i thought that that scene was going to go on for a long time too because it really sets it actually is like a fairly long sequence if you if you count like the start of it and i thought that they're going to go like project echo style and that's like this anime from like the 80s 90s where like they're literally jumping on debris and fighting in the air while they're doing things (laughs) but they, they don't do that here. But I was like, oh, that would be dope. Like, that's great inspiration because that's like a really cool sequence because 
there's missiles that are being fired at them and they have to like dodge the missiles and then they have to also like use them as counterbalances and it was really cool and really neat scene uh but no yeah i I think you're right actually they reached the ground faster than i thought they were going to reach the ground but it it still is like a like the entire sequence itself is like, oh, this is a fairly extended sequence, which, which uh, Aaron, you were talking about, like, the helicarrier. So, like, this kind of is a very long sequence like that as well, if you counted when they reach the um, the situation room and then they, they get to the ground. I just think, too, that, you know, with, with the, the, whole, the whole thing, the whole style of Black Widow is this, you know, incredibly competent martial artist and warrior. Mm-hmm. And we know what she's capable of. And I just, I felt like there were so many times when you start to settle into a sequence, there's a scene where she has to fight some other widows and whatever, and, and you just start to kind of get into it and then it's over. And we don't yeah. really get a long, longer protracted um, sequence where we really get to see what she can do. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it, the film needed that kind of a centerpiece for her. Yeah, and I like in bits and pieces, it's here and there. We talked about the prison escape sequence. Um, she's got some cool stuff to do, but yeah, I, I see it. I feel you. Um, the other question I have for you guys is like, what do you guys think of the humor in this movie? Because there's like the there's a a person that's a private contractor that she works with, and that guy seems like comic relief. Um, but then there's also comedy relief from Florence and everybody else throughout the movie as well. And the family dynamic is like the big comedy point as far as yeah watching yeah. watching this movie have fun like you know the. Rick Mason, the guy who, like, he's a former S.H.I.E.L.D. guy, and now he's, like, a private contractor. He's in the comics also. Uh, he's, like, yeah, that there's, like, he's a... former S.H.I.E.L.D.? Interesting. Yeah, there's, like, a, well, yeah, you get a Quinjet. Like, <laughs> but, uh, I thought he just stole it. There's a, there's, a, there's a camaraderie there, obviously, and that there's, you know, some yeah. humorous bits. But, yeah, it's that, fa- it's that family, especially, you know, it's already fun watching the sisters bicker, but when David Harbour shows up, it's like, and he's this kind of, he's a super soldier that's out, you know, out of shape a little bit. It's like, okay, this is that's, under- that's actually it's stuck on the past. Theme. He's very stuck in stuck in the past. Stuck yeah. in the past, but again, a a great theme to have that they didn't explore. But. Yeah, so I it, loved how when David Harbour has that great moment where he's talking about like all this, these times he's fought Captain America mm-hmm. and finally someone calls him out on the inconsistencies with the I'm date, sorry. his date of service <laughs> and Captain America. Yeah. Like, yes, thank you. <laughs> but it's weird because like he, he lives in it because he asks Natasha, he's like, does he ever talk about me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, who's right here? <laughs> well, it does make me wonder. It's like, was there some encounter he had? Well, at some point? if you watch like, Falcon he... Soldier, technically there was. Yeah. It, maybe it was, or maybe he's, maybe he's just like really out of time as far as like how long he's been alive <laughs> and like what he really remembers. He's got a lot, you know, he's got a helmet for a reason. He's got a lot of bumps on the head. You know, it's not always. Well, he was in prison, but maybe he did some contracting for them with the Winter Soldier. Good yeah. but uh, but I mean yeah he like there's a lot of humor that comes there and I think what I think the key to Harbor too by the way like who's had a great couple weeks here because he's great in uh, no sudden move um, but I-, I think what makes his character like work without being like annoying or too broad is the fact that his other key character trait is that he's needy right like he yeah, yeah, yeah. he, he yeah. has this giant character flaw that he's very needy he can fight. He's a big, strong super soldier. I get that. But he's also like, he has this, you mentioned the, 
you mentioned DiCaprio earlier. Like Rick Dalton is needy. That's the other thing about that guy, right? That's that's what, <laughs> yeah. that's what Red Guardian is. He's a big needy character, and, he has, and yeah. just this this opportunity that he's given, which also helps with his emotional core, right? As far as he, like he's he's getting a chance to reunite with these quote unquote daughters that he's had, and right. like find some find something to help give him purpose again. So it's like well, it's the writing a... plays plays with him a lot too. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, I interrupted no, you. No, you're fine. I was done. I was done. No, I was just going to say, one of the things I really liked about the Harbor character's writing is there's a scene where he starts to tell this long, unwieldy story, and someone's like, oh, shut up, please, don't do mm-hmm. this. And he's like, no, 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 go with it. I've got a point. And you get to the end, and he totally doesn't have a point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, love his, I love his ending of that. I was like, that's that's a great ending, I guess, but also, like, you know, not, not really an ending. <laughs> but again, stuff that, you know, as a a person with a family you can relate to because we all have those people in our lives that love to talk. I hope to be <laughs> like that character when I'm an old man. Let, let, let's talk about Rachel. Let's, let's talk about Rachel Vise a bit. Yes. Uh, yeah. you, you see, she's the other key character in this family. She is. And Aaron, you said, I, you said something in a trailer talk like three months ago, six months ago. And I was like, Aaron was right. <laughs> I, I was half right. A little bit of that. <laughs> I mean, I, I do, I do think that they minimized her from the marketing on purpose as a quote-unquote mislead. But I mean, regardless, I think Rachel Weisz is a is a very strong actor, and just having her a part of this universe, like you know, yeah. good, good on her for not being the only super spy in, in her family of Daniel Craig now, I guess. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> She she's great in the movie. She, she she's also plays her part. Like I mean, her character. She's a brilliant scientist, right? So uh, I like that she's been continuing to to do work on these hogs, pigs, and she's also like a trained assassin. So it's pretty great. She's to go, a, she's to go back to your hum, to go back to your humor question, she has a lot of dry humor that I think works pretty well. Also, like oh yes, there's yeah. there's, there's there's some good deli- line so deliveries. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's so British of her. <laughs> for, for this no, Russian Nata- character, Natasha, Natasha, don't slouch. Yeah, no slouching. Yeah. I'm not slouching. Are Wait, you okay? <laughs> I'm clearly injured. That that that's what got me the most. That was the <laughs> that's, like that's that's my low key like favorite line of the movie. <laughs> but yeah, she's got serious line deliveries as well, and stuff that I was like really believing. Like even the part where Natasha's like, "No funny business." She's like, "I'm putting my weapon away," and the way she says it is like stern yet also like a truce, and it's it's very. Um, it's very well delivered. One thing that, you know, going back to even Richard Donner that we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. one of the things that I think Marvel did the right thing about um, is casting, like, real actors. And so, you know, you get Christopher Reeve, who is, like, this Juilliard-trained actor to play this superhero. And there's a scene that was, like, floating around, not pre-Richard Donner's passing, but there's a scene where they're showing Clark and Superman talking to Lois, and she kind of figures out who he is. And yeah, you can totally see in his face that he's a bumbling idiot with Clark, and then all of a sudden, like she says, like I know who you are, and he changes very quickly. So I was glad that they have actors like Rachel Weisz, uh, David Harbour, you know, Florence Pugh, Scarlett Johansson that have all shown us dramatic sides that can also deliver these lines, like, uh, you know, like uh, all these funny lines that I can't think of one off the top of my head. You're such a poser. I think sometimes they have characters yeah. where they be. Sometimes they cast people at least early on where there wasn't really a need for that actor to play that part but it became more of a look what i had look who look who we got um i felt that way with natalie portman in the first store 
Mm-hmm. I think she has more to do in Dark World, but I'm really excited to see what Taika Waititi and, sure. and she can cook up in Love and Thunder. I think that's really going to be a better use of her talent. And, you know, with Vice, I mean, I think Weiss is a great actor. Yeah. Um, does she necessarily, like, does, does it have to be Weiss in this movie? Not necessarily. It could have been any number of people. But I think she's she's good for for being in it. But again, it's one of those times where I, I feel like it's you know, oh, look, we got so and so, as opposed to like, oh, it has to. It, this is the part she has to play. Yeah, I, I hear mm-hmm. you say it. I mean, the, the yeah. my go to example of that is always going to be Robert Redford. Like, there's just there's no reason <laughs> Robert Redford needed to be in the Marvel universe, but there he is. I mean, he got off that boat that he was lost on, and then he's like, oh, I got to pick up a movie. It's a fun casting as far as like, look, we're making a spy thriller, and we got the guy from Three Days of the Condor. Like, I get it, but it's like, <laughs> and spy game. Come on, give him some credit. No, because yeah, that's not a good movie. Um, but, oh. Um, it's one of Tony Scott's worst movies. Um, but no, I, I hear you saying, it's, I mean, that's the Marvel playbook since Iron Man, right? You get like, you get a terrific cast of people to just, to be, you get it, you get an A cast for a B movie. It suddenly becomes an A movie and guess what? It worked 24 times. So, I mean, it's, yep. like, it's not losing anything there. Um, what else? The, we've talked about the villain stuff because um, that's whatever, but the, the other like aspect of that, that, I'm kind of in between on is the whole plot involving the Black Widows and this Red Room where they, you know, train and subjugate people to be Black Widows. There's a lot of, like, a lot of the plot involves, revolves around this mind control, this chemically induced mind control, right? Where it's taking away, basically it's taking away women's agency to do anything so they can function based off what this evil Russian man is doing. And that's a lot of loaded stuff that we've already addressed as far as how well it handles that. But part of the... I guess issue is that like by doing that, that means like the action you're watching, you don't want to happen because you don't want to see Natasha and Yelena, you know, kill these women that are being forced to fight them. Right. And so it's like, it puts you in this weird zone. Okay. It doesn't do it too often because it doesn't, it honestly doesn't like, doesn't let you fight against the black widows. It's more faceless henchmen that mainly get killed in this movie, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it kind of, it's the kind of thing where, like, the movie, again, doesn't it, it doesn't find a way to, like, go darker with it or do more with it as far as, like, these are trained assassins that are doing bad things. Again, once again, don't need to see, like, horrible murder missions taking place, but it's, like, if you, you're, you're, where Natasha's character was, like, she was trained to be evil before she just kind of defected in her own right, right? Where this movie kind of lets everybody else off the hook by saying, it's not their fault, it was chemicals. And it's like, okay, like, that that just feels like kid gloves again. Like, you know what That's I'm saying, That's a direct tie back to Born Legacy, almost, because you get these right. three good movies, and then you're like, oh, we were taking drugs the whole time, and that's what made us so great. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. And I was like, well, well no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I liked it better when you were just really good at your job. And here's yeah, a franchise the, that has Jeremy Jeremy Renner headaches. in it, and there's Kems again. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. Where are the Kems? <laughs> yeah. No, I hear what you're saying there, too, because I think one of the things that I, I liked about the aspect of all that was that they didn't go into a, a backstory before you saw what happened, though, right? And I was like, okay, well, I see what the result is in an early fight sequence with Florence Pugh and, and another Widow agent. Uh-huh. Um, and I was like, okay, it's cool that you guys didn't have to, like, take a scene or two scenes to show me, by the way, my nefarious plan is to, like, make a chemical so that you can't attack anybody and you have to listen to what I have to say. It's like... I'm glad that it kind of just was what it was, but yes, I agree with you that 
there's a lot of questions here because I was thinking also at the same time, there's agency with what's going on inside their own mind. This is like some sort of a get out situation then, right? Where yes. it's like, I don't have my body control, but I have, but you know, I don't want to hurt you, but I also, you know, have to. Um, so there are questions that arise. Is it cool? Kind of, because I thought, you know, what are some other movies where I can see like female Russian spies or female spies at work? And I was like, maybe Red Sparrow, which I haven't seen. Um, maybe Salt, but I, I don't know. I mean, are there other movies you guys can recommend on the on the spy agent front? I, I don't want you to think about that right now because that might tee into the game that we're gonna play next. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, all right. We'll scratch what I said there. Too um, smart for your own damn good. <laughs> but yeah, I, there there certainly are aspects of the spy craft and this how they how he builds his spies that um, that I had questions about. And then this bleeds into what what Adam you were saying about like some of the fight sequences, like. These people are all highly trained fight action or fighters, and the scene where they have to like you know fight each other is interesting, but also doesn't really show off what they all could do. There are some cool scenes where you know the people are leaping and being thrown to the ground, but uh, yeah, as far as like hand-to-hand combat or just like using your intelligence uh, and a room full of things, uh, probably not the most uh, fruitful use. But I think it comes across as like. You've mentioned this before of other Marvel movies. I think this one applies a lot, where it does feel like a stepping stone in a lot of ways, where I fully expect to see follow-ups involving Yelena's character and others in this Black Widow universe to be featured very heavily. And it's like, well, this was the movie. Like, I don't want to wait for the TV show to, like, see, you know, a bunch of widows in some kind of, like, epic brawl. Like, that should have been what the movie's for. And it has the yeah. setup there. It has a whole, it has a bunch of widows that could have easily had a scene where there's, like, all of them are fighting off, like, Ray Winstone's evil henchmen or something like that. And it right, just, right. we don't, we don't get any of that. And it's... Yeah, and, and it really just boils down to something that I mentioned previously, which is, there's a lot of ideas here, but if you had stuck with one, and I would agree with Adam, if you stuck with the Bourne one, that would have been the best. And it's like you can have you can actually still have like the early sequence of them being uh, a family in Ohio. And then it just cuts into like the born thing where it's just like one mission. I'm in Budapest, Budapest. Uh, and uh, and then you just run with it and it just gets the, the onion layers just unravel until you get to the center. And that would have been an amazing spy movie. And I, I, I think we can kind of wrap up soon enough mm-hmm. because there's only so many. St- I'll, I'll just add. You're mentioning, like, you know, something that gives this movie, like, basically an emotional core. I'm not saying this movie is completely empty. I do think it, you know, it hits you in the right kind of place, especially for, I think, super fans of this. Mm-hmm. But when most of that emotion seems to be coming more from the Yelena character, it's like, well, this is called Black Widow, right? I get that they're all Black Widows. But, like, Abe, you're not wrong. Like, that early scene where you get a lot within one sequence as far as her doing something, realizing what she did, and feeling bad about it. That's a that's a good scene, and there's a number of those that involve just her character. Where like when they're talking about family and how they're you know the rest of them are arguing how it was fake or whatnot, and she's like, it wasn't fake though. This was like the best time of my life. Those right. are good scenes. Yeah. I don't know why they're here, especially when this movie's serving as a setup for more of her later. Why are we focusing so much on her right now in the Black Widow movie focused on Natasha? It mm-hmm. just because she it, is the new Black Widow. It just feels off. It feels off balance. It feels like <laughs> yeah. It feels, I know. It feels and, like and, it feels more. It, be, it when you when you delve that deeply, it starts to become more like this is a marketing exercise as opposed to a movie. And yeah, that's unfair. And you, I'm not saying that that's the case, but it does tip. It does trip on that line a bit when it's like, look how all of the scenes that resonate the most have nothing to do with Scarlett Johansson's character. 
and it gets tricky too in with with the the uh the ending and by that i mean of course the first oh. ending not the stinger uh-huh. the singer's great singer first half of the stinger is one of the best stingers of any marvel stinger ever in my that, opinion that's fair yeah. <laughs> yeah but when you get to the actual the the, the proper ending if you will mm-hmm. and pun intended it doesn't really land the plane like right. it just kind of Ends. Yeah, it does. And she doesn't really. She doesn't get a moment. She should have some key line of dialogue. Mm-hmm. There should be some close up. There should be some swelling music. Right. We should get something to see Natasha go off into the sunset. Instead, she kind of goes and does something, and then you're like, oh wait a minute, are we are we are we're done? What? Right. That's a beautiful way to put it, which is going off into the sunset. And there wasn't that moment for me where it's like, this is a beautiful ending, but I know how it actually ends, and I'm actually really sad that you think you're gonna have more time with these people. Um, and that, that lacked for me. It so. is because you, because of how aware we are of this timeline, that is what, like, I've tried not to emphasize. I mean, they, the, they, they really put it in your face. I know they do. And I've, I've tried not to emphasize the, this movie came out at the wrong time thing. Cause like, well, I just got to live with that. But it's like, when you do get to the end of this film, that is sitting right there. You're and you're, you, you can't help but think like. I should feel more right now. Like there and, should and be I something. I want to feel more right now. But I it's do, be, yeah, but, exactly. But, but because, I want to. But because you know, like the events of what's happening next are literally like a day later. Like yeah. it's like, you know, it's, <laughs> there's, there's, it's there's like a line from Fast Five where it gets me all the time, and it's like at the end of the movie, and you guys all know what it is. It's like it's when Hanan is talking with Giselle and they're in the car, and it's like, where do you want to go next? It's like. Yeah, she said, I thought you wanted to go to Tokyo. And he said, we'll get there. We'll get and I was there. like, I don't <laughs> like this. Yeah, and I don't <laughs> like this because I know where this goes. All roads lead to Han being dead. Or is he? Um, or oh, is he? Yeah, but that, that's like the thing where it's like, I know where it's going. You don't actually have to make it huge. But that tease of just like, if she's just said like, I'll see you in, I'll see you in our next adventure in wherever. It's like. No, you won't because you and that that actually hurts. It's so. just clunky. That's the like it's yeah. It, it, it's just like I guess we've reached the end point. Like that's it. Like it's just like okay and and there's no like she there's no. A, re- she does get a superhero pose at the end there, which is nice. <laughs> You've got one of the, the biggest stars in the world. You've got a character we've invested so much time in. You know, I don't think it takes that much heavy lifting to give you that big moment. Well, I mean, and we got you, you end, and you're like, okay, wow. We we yeah. got we got the story of her hair and her vest, though. So I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, I think what we're all saying here is collectively, we four are going to make a Black Widow movie. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm excited to see how this movie will grow potentially in my estimation over time, just because there's been plenty of Marvel movies where, first time you watch it, you kind of see it through the lens of your expectations. The second time, kind of like what Mark was saying earlier, you see it more for what it is. Um, I'm hoping that this was something I enjoyed more over time. Yeah. Well, if all that said, when should people go and see this movie? It is currently available in theaters and IMAX, as well as on Disney Plus with premiere access. Mark, when should people see Black Widow? Well, as soon as possible, just because, you know, it's, it is a Marvel movie and there will be, you know, spoilers that come out of it. So... I mean, just the way things have been going, especially with the numbers that just got released, a lot of people have seen it already. But if you have not seen it, then you probably should go see it as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Despite all of our criticisms, it's still a very <laughs> summer entertaining yeah. movie. Adam Gentry, when do people see this movie? You know, if you're a super fan, you're going to want to go super quick. Um, if you're not so much, 
you don't necessarily have to wait. You don't necessarily have to rush out, rather. And also, too, with COVID, I mean, that makes it tricky for people as far sure. as people that would ordinarily go see a movie in a theater. I was grateful to see that a lot of people did. But, you know, it really, I think, just depends on your investment level. If you're a big Marvel fan, this isn't going to make you less of a Marvel fan. You're going to want to see it. Um, right. If not, you know, go off of how much you like Marvel movies or not. I mean, action films in general and then play it from there. I, I think, it, yeah, if you are a fan of the MCU, you're seeing a new MCU movie, and you can go do that. I wouldn't necessarily say rush out, um, because it's just, it, it sits at a a lower tier for me for MCU movies, but it's still one of these nonetheless, which means it's going to be entertaining. Um, it's it's worth checking out because it's fun summer stuff. Abe, how about you? Yeah, on our old scale, I mean, this isn't necessarily a dollar theater movie. I'd still say it's a theater movie because of the entertainment value and also the action set pieces. But then, like, uh, on our new scale of, of uh, post-Bloodshed era, I, it's on Disney+. Plus. You can check it out there. Um, it won't be uh, it won't be a waste of your time because I think that it does fit seamlessly into the timeline that we know of. Um, and, again, the entertainment value is there. All right. Well, that's been our review of Black Widow. Let's uh, let's move on now. Hey, what, um, what time is it here? Aaron, I think it's time for a competitive game. Little known fact, that was actually composed by David Harbour in prison. Yep. <laughs> That's, and he submitted that for his next toy when you pulled a string. <laughs> uh, I have, that was of course the improv theme for games. I have a game for you guys this week. It is called Widow, Black Widow, a spy Ooh. game. I am going to read, I am going to describe to you spies from various movies. And if you can mm-hmm. identify the movie, you get a point. If you can identify the character name, you get two points. Two, po- whoa! Not just whoa. brownie points, two points. Yeah. Whoa. Do we uh, buzz in with our name? Yes, exactly, Adam. You buzz in with right. your name, and then you give the answer. All right, I'm excited here. Okay, here's the first one. A real fighter, a few aliases. He can tell you the license plate numbers of the cars outside. He knows the best place to look <laughs> for Adam. I heard Abe. Uh, the Bourne Identity, Jason Bourne. Th- that is correct. Abe for two points. Adam, I'm sorry I beat you there. You know, you're you're a lousy guy. <laughs> I'll just take my leave now. The last thing I had was can run flat out a half a mile in the wintry setting before his hands start shaking. And also I wrote memory issues because if he didn't get it by then, I just wanted to make it memory. obvious. Memory <laughs> <laughs> get the headaches. Still one of the best lines. Look at us. Look what they make us do. Yeah. And then Clive Owen has a great film career. Um, all right. Next one here. Works for Her Majesty's Secrets Intelligence. Uses spycraft, sensuality, and savagery. Has bright blonde hair. Mark. Mark? James Bond? Incorrect. Bright blonde Dang. hair? And not a James Bond is not uh, a female. I didn't necessarily... Oh, I didn't hear that part. I didn't necessarily say uh, female. Well... Jason Bourne's you know, not a female either. I guess I'm a lousy guy too. <laughs> wait can you uh, are, are, actually go ahead with the clues that's all i had because i thought the oh, last one would give it away yeah. yeah works for her majesty's secret service uses spycraft sensuality and savagery yes i was trying to throw you off by thinking making you think it's james bond uh and has bright blonde hair bright blonde hair um i'm gonna take a stab at it yes uh strawberry fields quantum of solace incorrect mm-hmm. abe abe 
Archer Barry. <laughs> the answer is Atomic Blonde, Lorraine Broughton. Oh my! Oh, Charlie. That's a good. That's a good, uh, that's a good. Is she British? Yes, yeah, she well, works for Her Majesty's Secret Service. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I, I know you're saying that, but I just I don't recall the character being British, which means I, yeah, I, haven't I seen don't it in a while. remember her being British either. Yeah. If you if, like, at the end of the movie, there's like a, she's basically, she she there's a reveal. Ah. That's why I also had other clues. Underrated movie, mm-hmm. guys. Watch Atomic Blonde. Yeah, I mean, James McAvoy is great in it. The fights are good. Uh, next one we have here. Part of the organization of super spies. One is a former babysitter. The other can mimic voices. They have to save their parents in one story. Hmm. Mark. Mark. Spy Kids? It is the Spy Kids. Do you remember their names? No. No, <laughs> no problem. I don't know their names either. It's Carmen and Uni Cortez. Uni? Uh, okay. I only, I only remember Carmen, but I don't remember Uni. Fair enough. Yeah. Daryl Sabara. <laughs> yes, exactly. Here's the next Daryl one. from uh, uh, the Mars movie. <laughs> Mars meets Mobs. Oh. Oh God. John Carter of Mars. Oh yeah, he's, he has a John Carter. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's the he's he's, he's Edgar Rice Burroughs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, five seven. Big on fighting their own fights and putting their life Abe. on the line. Abe. Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible. Ethan Hunt. Incorrect. Uh, what? Sequ- oh man, you went so deep with that. Oh, five seven likes doing their own fights. Come on. Secret past. Once tortured, maybe a double agent goes rogue. Modern day spy. Maybe I got the wrong movie. <laughs> Dark black hair. Five seven. Uh, Adam. Adam. Let's go with uh, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. Henry Cavill. I don't remember the character name. Henry Cavill's not 5'7". Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this is Mission Impossible. It's not. <laughs> oh, whoa. Mark, it's all up to you, brother. Yeah, Mark, come on. Uh, can I get a repeat of the clues? Yeah, big on fighting their own fights, putting their life on the line, secret past, once tortured, maybe a double agent, but goes rogue, modern day spy, black hair. Oh, I, I know I know what this is. I mean, all of that you can pretty much put to any modern day spy movie. <laughs> but I'm gonna think outside of the box here with the dark black hair and say Sterling Archer. Nope. Abe, I got you. Abe. Spies in his guys. It's Salt. Evelyn Salt. Angelina Jolie. Five seven. Oh my God. <laughs> That's a deep Abe, pull, you man. Just talked about that earlier. It's not a deep pull. It's a blockbuster film starring one of the biggest movie stars in the world. Yeah, I've never seen it. <laughs> Here's the next one. Anyway, very agile, willing to put life on the line, goes back and forth between long and short hair. Five seven, married once, <laughs> has left his mark in high places multiple times. Left his mark in high places. Married once. Mark. Yep. Ethan Hunt. Ethan Hunt is the correct answer. Yeah, Mark. Oh, he was married. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I was thinking of Tom Cruise, and I'm like, he's been married more than once. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's the character. And he's 5'7". That's right, Jeremy Renner. We talked about this like three weeks ago. Jeremy Renner was assigned to protect his wife. (laughs) And he's 5'7". I just, you know, I I thought you'd get it right there. Well, in movies, though, he says that he's 5'9". Well, 
is it sure. is it a stretch to imagine that Mr. Cruz is not perhaps honest every time he opens his mouth? <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just I know kidding. that's a leap in a shot. It's hilarious when you see him wearing lifts in photos. Like oh. Tom, you're six years old. Come on. He left his mark in high oh. places, guys. Multiple times. Yeah. Here we go. Forty. Former desk based support for a top spy. Surprisingly competent fighter. Takes job very seriously. Mm. Aliases include Carol Jenkins, a Midwestern mother of three, and Penny Morgan, a housewife and owner of ten cats. Hmm. Abe. Abe? Uh, um. <laughs> You're like the kid who raises his hand and then goes, I forgot. Yeah, I'm just like stalling. Just Generally buzzing because you have an answer. I know. I just didn't want anyone else to get it. Oh, yeah, because they were really even on those buzzers. <laughs> they, were, yeah, they, were, they were on the edge of their seats wearing a buzz in. Do you want me to repeat? Um, the yeah. longest goodnight, Gina Davis. Incorrect. Do you want me to repeat these? Yes. 40. Yes. Former desk based support for a top spy. I know what this is now. Su- Damn it! Surprisingly competent fighter. Takes job seriously. Aliases have been Carol Jenkins, Midwestern mother of three, and Penny Morgan, housewife and owner of ten cats. You guys, I'm sending you guys the vibes. Right I'll now. just say this. If I'm saying it's... owner of ten cats, I feel yes. like that's a comedy. <laughs> so I don't have any guests, so I, I don't have a problem with Abe wants to chime in again, unless Mark has one. Mark, you got anything? Man, I'm like during the headlights right now. Abe, it's, uh, your, your follow-up? The movie Spy. Spy, yes. Melissa McCarthy. I don't know her character's name, though. Susan Cooper. What is it? Susan Cooper. Cooper? Yeah. Okay. No first name? I said Susan Cooper. Oh, Susan Cooper. Okay, yeah. thanks. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Mark, you're still in the lead here. What? How? What? Wait, really? Hey! All right, I know okay, I'm, I know sure. I'm losing, yeah. but I thought, I thought Abe had the lead. Oh, no, you're yeah. t- you, no, you and Abe are tied. Okay, I was going to be like Arizona and demand a recount. You both have two points and one <laughs> yeah. point, so you're both tied. There <laughs> all we right, go. Here's, all right. Here's the next one. Tiebreaker. Trench coat, paranoid, mustache, plays the saxophone, lives alone. I feel like the saxophone thing should really give it away, but I, I can't think of it. Uh, I'm blank right now on the saxophone, too. I've got nothing. Lives alone? I'll say, let me add one. Let's see. Yeah. The, the actor, quote-unquote, reprised this role for another film over, I want to say, yeah, over 30 years later. Ooh. Could you read the clues again? Trench coat, paranoid, mustache, plays saxophone, lives alone. I'll say that other film is Enemy of the State. Abe. Abe? Gene Hackman in, in that oh, one. Oh, I got the movie. movie. I got he's the a movie. Spy. It, Adam for the steal. Oh, I, I, maybe I don't. Maybe I don't. Oh, shoot. I thought I, I'm a little too confident. French Connection? Incorrect. Oh, it's it's like it's like the spies who listen to strangers or, or like listening to other people. I, I well, you got the premise. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember the name of the fucking movie. The answer is oh, 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 I, up. I was thinking may, French connection too, but may yeah. I? Yeah. yeah Adam? Conversation. The conversation is the yeah! correct answer. Oh my God. <laughs> like, yes, he's just like listening to people and he plays saxophone. There's like a, he's like in a it's, wife beater. 
uh, sure. Please tell me I get at least one point. You get one I'm, point. I'm totally yes. out of out of it's the negative. You got one point. Yeah. The character's name <laughs> is Harry. Of... The character's name is Harry Call. Yeah. Thank Harry. Romanoff. Here's the next one. Aspiring. How good is he saxophone though? What? How good is he at saxophone? On pretty a good. Scale? He plays it over the credits. You don't play a song over the credits because you're bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my life motto <laughs> you don't play it over the credits because you're bad they don't at it. Like you, they don't, yeah they don't not even air it if you're not good all right here we go aspiring writer new yorker sixth grader professional snooper <laughs> abe abe oh it's uh man i i just <laughs> lost it like i can i can i i know who the actor is too why don't you open your juice box and just sit back, buddy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I steal? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Agent Cody Banks? Incorrect. Oh, oh. She wears, like, cool raincoats, uh-huh. and she does spy mysteries, and she she's played uh-huh. by two different people. One of them was the new character in It, and her old character is the one I'm thinking about, or her old actor is the one I'm thinking about. Uh, what is her name? Thora? No. It's... <laughs> uh, she's like a she's a cool actor, real person. Michelle yeah. Trachtenberg. Uh huh. But... <laughs> no. What the, what the, what the name of the character? Is? Oh. Oh. Can I steal? Mark. Can I, can I try? Yeah. yeah. Harriet the Spy. Harriet the Spy is the correct answer. <laughs> Woo. Thank you for the Michelle. Uh, Adam, I need to add some like vodka in this juice box. Oh, hey, hey man, give me a straw. The character's name is the character's name is Harriet M. Welsh. Okay, okay. got it. Because okay. that's easy to remember. Yeah, Harriet the Spy. That's got why it. it's a bonus point. I'm not just giving these away. I'm not. I'm not a soccer coach. These aren't free candy <laughs> beads. Yeah. Uh, four more. Aaron doesn't give away. Participa- participation trophies. He wants <laughs> the, the, the participation is you get to be on this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the truest, right, that's, the that's truest of privileges. <laughs> okay, here, here's, the, here's the next one. All right. um, this person is the kindest, bravest, warmest, most wonderful human being I've ever known in my life. In reality, he's actually a cold, sad loner who's been brainwashed. Cold, sad loner, brainwashed. Kindest, warmest... Sounds like uh, Aaron Newworth. <laughs> you still got the headaches, Aaron? <laughs> um, mm. This one has been remade. Mm? Huh. So kindest, warmest, bravest, but is actually yeah, like a, a brainwashed loner? Movie. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Give me another present day clue. Present day clue, the remake... Hmm. What doesn't give it away? The the remake features a two-time Academy Award winner as the star, a three-time Academy Award winner as one of the co-stars, and Sabretooth. <laughs> when Sabretooth, Tyler Maine, or, or... <laughs> yeah, remember when Tyler Maine started those two Oscar winners in that one movie? <laughs> the kindest, warmest, uh, Abe. Abe. The Manchurian Candidate. The Manchurian Candidate is the correct answer. I don't know oh. Washington's name though. Uh, his name, that character's name is Benny Marco, who's also played by Frank oh. Sinatra in the original. Raymond yeah. Shaw is the 
the the character I'm referring to. He's played by Lawrence Olivier, Lawrence Harvey, um, and the <laughs> father of Domino Harvey. Um, I in the first film. Man, and, I should uh, have known that one. Lee you should have, but you reading. didn't. That's 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 Tony Stark's <laughs> nickname to uh, Winter Soldier. Yeah. <laughs> Calm down, Manchurian Candidate. <laughs> Here's the next one. We made a piece right. here. Former teen, former teen criminal turned professional assassin, talented killer, balances personal life with secret career. Can you read the first, the first clip? Former teen criminal turned professional assassin, talented killer, balances personal life with secret career. You say teen, like T E E N, yes, or teenager criminal? Teenage. Yeah. Balances secret career. This is what I thought you'd get, like, right away. <laughs> I mean, I feel like maybe I like a minute it now. <laughs> this has been this is this movie had an American remake and at least two TV shows, I think. Two TV shows. Yes. Huh? The original is a French film. Oh, uh, Abe. Abe. La Femme Nikita. Correct. Oh my God. Yeah. But I don't. I mean, I guess her name is Nikita. It is. They're two points. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for the additional clues there. Yeah, it's been a Rick. big property. Rick. Yeah. Rick. Strangely, strangely larger than I thought. Yeah. Aaron doesn't give you participation trophies and shames you when you don't know. That's right. Welcome to Out Now. <laughs> Here's the next one. All right. Alcoholic, Lothario, dresses well enough, knows judo, tends to stick with one gun. Good driver. Uh, Adam? Adam? Oh, crap. I got to sit down with my juice box. No, no, no. Keep going. <laughs> I was going to say French Connection again, but he's a cop. He's not a spy, so the premise is wrong. Mm -hmm. Alcoholic, Lothario, dresses well enough, knows judo, tends to stick with one gun. Good driver. Yeah, it feels like some Jason Statham character. Oh. Adam, got to guess again? Adam, can Adam try the transporter? It's not the transporter. It's not a spy. He's a transporter. <laughs> okay, I'm just I'm just going to I'm just going to say this. Yeah. One more time because he is an alcoholic. Uh, uh Sterling Archer. Incorrect. <laughs> Because nope. he is a very hardcore drinker on the show, so very competent too. Abe, you got um, an answer? Yeah. No. I you don't. know who else is a hard drinker? James Bond. James Bond's the answer to this question. Yeah. <laughs> See, but I thought you put that on there because it was so Her easy, and yet you didn't get it. <laughs> it's it's Ethan Bond. It's James Hunt. <laughs> exactly, Adam. Yes, I made the clues. Yes, I made the very specific clues to not give away the very easy answer of James Bond. <laughs> Again with the shaming. <laughs> Who knows these people? Hey, you're throwing me these lines to justify my choices here. I was like, I'm gonna get smarter guests next week. <laughs> Kills a woman by having her encased in gold and oil. Here's the next one. Last one. All right. Hard partying womanizer with a penchant for the London mod scene, dresses quite loud, has an arch nemesis. Adam. Adam. It's Austin Powers, it man. It is Austin Powers, oh, man. Oh man. <laughs> Two points. Job, Adam. And, and by the way, just in case, the, the character name is Austin Powers, and the films are 
Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, The Spy Who Shagged Me, and Goldmember. I mean, you were Ooh, off by just one point. Adam, actually, it's Austin Danger Powers, because Danger is his middle name, but I'll, yeah. I'll allow it anyway. Oh, my <laughs> heart is broken. Colons, but all right. <laughs> let, me, let me count this up here. Uh, well, I lost. You're like... Same. No. no adding the five points there at the end there, he might have he might have pulled away with this one. Gaming the system, You're though. You're saying five points. Two but points. no, Ad, Abe, you are the winner of this week's game. Mark Thank and Adam, you. both Thank on the you. board. Very good job, of course. Yeah. Because you guys Great job all around. That was, a, that was a fun game, Eric. Thank good you. Good job, Moa. <laughs> Thanks. If I only got the James Bond. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Blonde-haired. Didn't say blonde. Hey, <laughs> I said all the things that are James Bond. He's an alcoholic. He's a lefario. He dresses well. He knows judo. Like I, I feel like I was just giving it away to you guys. <laughs> well, I mean, if you JB, I mean, if you are a spy, I mean, you're supposed to be proficient in I don't know. If I if a I said martial arts. If I said has a famous drink, would that have helped? No. Thank yes. Yes. Yeah, that would have been nice. All right. Yeah. Martini, <laughs> shaken, not stirred. Yeah. Well, I wasn't going to say what the drink was, but famous drink, I could have thrown No, no, famous yeah. drink. Yeah. And that would have been like... I Martin would have been like, Tom Collins? <laughs> <laughs> Robert can't, De Niro, let me the parents. <laughs> can't say his last name only once. You know, something like that. All right, well, that was games. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh let's move on now let's get to our let's get to some out now feedback 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 this is where we go over the various questions and answers on our facebook page facebook.com podcast we have a number of questions of listeners and they give some answers and and uh, yeah we got no questions this week but yeah we got some answers yeah. here first question is what is your favorite scarlett johansson film adam you said uh of her older work it's lost in translation but more recently i really dug lucy she uses 100 percent of her brain in that movie uh chris has favorite has to be under the skin then lucy and jojo rabbit luke uh, has ghost world but not because of anything she does in it uh, monty has agrees with luke same on both counts maxwell hadid has lost in translation and lastly tammy has lost in translation any other favorite scarlett johansson johansson films um i mean a lot of the marvel movies are pretty damn good but mm-hmm. if we're talking about non-mcu stuff yeah, Jojo Rabbit, Lost in Translation, pretty much nailed on the head with those ones. The uh, the one-two punch of Jojo Rabbit and Marriage Story, I think, were, were pretty terrific. Uh, yeah. Wait, does Chef count? Even though yeah, she shows up in like, like, just, in a couple scenes. Yeah. yeah. Next question we have here. What's your favorite film about a surrogate or adopted family? Tammy writes The Blind Side. Chris writes Brightburn, The Omen, and, and Orphan. Oh, some dark ones there, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to add in Paddington. Come on. Yes, that's, in, that's uh, a wonderful answer. Fine, <laughs> fine, I'm going to throw in Finding Forrester. Oh, there you're you go. now, dog. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who was that? Was that uh, Atomic Blonde? <laughs> <laughs> Any other adopted family movies? No, I think Blindside is probably my favorite. She won the Oscar for it. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> next question is, name some films with great uses of motorcycles. Luke has the one with Tom Cruise. What's it called? Uh, probably a lot of them. It's uh, a lot of them. They, yeah, Chris has Easy Rider or World's Fastest Indian with uh, Anthony Hopkins, right? Yep. And lastly, Warren has Knight Riders. George A. Romero's Knight Riders. Good movie. I'm going to throw Return of the Jedi in there because in principle, 
Those are motorcycles. Yeah, those the speeder bikes. Yeah. 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 It literally has bike in the name, so. Mm-hmm. I'll second uh, World's Fastest Indian because I think that movie's pretty terrific. Wild, great trailer. Wildly underseen. Not only is that a great trailer, it was featured in the fucking Super Bowl. <laughs> like, that's a, that always <laughs> killed me. They spent a billion dollars They spent it? that much money for, for, to play, like, Magnolia's <laughs> features is the World's Fastest Indian. And I was always like, why is this movie at the Super Bowl right now? But good on them, I guess. Uh, but I, I really like that movie, yeah. though. I think it's a really good movie. Yeah, the PBS uh, adaptation of The Mouse and the Motorcycle. There you go. Uh, Mission Impossible 2 and Rogue Nation and Fallout are all uh, solid motorcycle chase movies. Who's in that movie? Um, what's it? Ving Rhames. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the voice of Arby's. <laughs> you mean Luther <laughs> Stickle? Yeah. yeah. He's got a last name? Good job, Adam. Of course he does. And he has the meats. He has all the meats. <laughs> I will have to throw out there Operation Condor with Jackie Chan. Yes, yeah, yeah. There's I watched that movie. There's a motorcycle thing, in that uh, one? I'm trying to think of where the motorcycle Yeah. 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 He's, like, he loves his or... Yamaha motorcycles, man. The Great yeah. Escape, I mean, is another big one. Steve yeah. Once the, once the motorcycle scene in Condor, I'm trying to picture that movie right now. <laughs> like it's, it's um. Like it's like the, early on? No, it's towards, I think it's towards the end, end sequence. Yeah. sequence. Yeah. Oh, if I may, what about Fallen Angels? Going back to what Mark was talking about, I mean, there's some great. Oh the, yeah. One of the best endings of any movie I've ever seen takes place on a motorcycle in that movie. There you go, Fallen Angels. Isn't there a speaking of which? Isn't there a Japanese movie with uh, I forgot what the name of it? Where... Akira. No, no, no. Well, Akira too. Yes, Akira. <laughs> like uh, I don't know if you're being coy right now, but. <laughs> no, no, no. They try to attack the our, the hero with a bunch of katanas this sounds like john wick 2 or john it sound, i think it was I, it reminded me a lot of john wick uh-huh. um, i think it was inspired from that i think it came out earlier i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to google it i remember yeah. the operation condor okay i was like blank it's like i, <laughs> I think of that movie for specific things okay now i remember where it is <laughs> yeah and I gotta throw out um, Matrix Reloaded for great motorcycle. Oh my god, series, yes, of course. Where, particularly, yeah. if, if I may, Trinity strikes the pose from Black Widow that Florence Pugh has so much fun with. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, next question we have here: What's your favorite Rachel Vise film? Uh, Jeff writes The Mummy. Adam, you put down here it's tough because while it comes down to the Constant Gardener and the favorite for me. And while I like the former more, the latter has bigger and better performance from Wise. Uh, Maxwell Haddad, friend of the show, writes The Mummy and The Favorite. And Chris has The Lobster and The Favorite. A lot of, a lot of Lanthimos love in this, ep- in this mm-hmm. question. I am a huge fan of The Constant Gardener. It's one of my favorite movies. So, like, yes. that, by default, that kind of, like, jumps into the, you know, into the top there. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the the mummy is really good. Like as far it's very as very fun. Like beyond just like the movie itself, which we've done a commentary for, we've talked plenty about the mummy on this stuff. But mm-hmm. I it does such a great job of establishing those characters. Like everyone wanted to see the mummy returns because they had so much fun watching these people in that movie. Right, including yeah. the annoying brother. Yeah, yeah John, John Hanna, who played. Uh, he's, yeah. great, he's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm gonna throw in the Brothers Bloom. Great movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's all those talents. Yeah, exactly. Because she's bored. She's like, I don't really think you should be, you know, juggling three chainsaws on this giant unicycle. <laughs> Quasi-related, but um, I was actually fortunate enough um, a few years back to see Rachel Weisz on Broadway. Um, she was in a, a Mike Nichols play with uh, 
one Daniel Craig Heard called uh, Betrayal. The play was unfortunately not great, uh, oh. but it was great to be able to, you know, see James Bond and 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 Rachel Weisz on the same stage. Yeah. Was it um, no singing, no musical? Just oh, no, it? there was no singing. OK. There was a lot of <laughs> sadness and subterfuge and backstabbing. Oof, this sounds Singing like... would have been out of place. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we thought so with, with the uh, Planet of the Apes, but the Simpsons proved us wrong there. <laughs> the Planet or the musical? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in! <laughs> What's next? Uh, the last question is, uh, or I'm sorry, a couple more questions, but uh, what villains do you see in Phase 4 of the MCU? Todd has Modoc, who already has a Hulu... Uh, cartoon series yeah, or not cartoon but animated series it's, yeah yeah it's a stop yeah. motion animated series like it's yeah yeah it's a cartoon <laughs> yeah um, any other uh, villains you guys want to see in phase four i mean dr doom makes the most sense at this yeah. point for me right? get that doom yeah, in there yeah we're like we're getting kang right he's um john yeah. jonathan majors like gonna, majors, jonathan majors gonna be kang I, you know, I, yeah, I love it if, it's not a villain, but I'd love it if we could get the Silver Surfer in here. Well, by default, by doing that, I mean, you'd, that'd be great. You'd have he to... was a villain at first because he is, you know, a uh, ward of Galactus. Then, oh, okay. So, we yeah. get, I mean, you get, you get Galactus by guys. default if you do Silver Surfer. So, I mean, that's yeah. a way to go. Five points. To Gryffindor. That happens. <laughs> like, if we're, if we're doing more fate, like, I mean, I guess Kang the Conqueror is maybe the big bad of this whole thing but i mean you know, galactus or doom would be they'd have to be like the supreme you know the thanoses of these later phases as far as like an overall yeah. villain because i don't i don't know who's bigger at that point so like what else do you do i mean yeah. dr doom is probably the biggest uh-huh and most powerful villain next to thanos because he's as smart as reed richards and he does sorcery as well as um Doctor Strange. So he plays on both the science and magic side, which makes him a powerful oh, that, villain. Yeah. And he has his own country. You know? I mean, he's got a yeah. lot going for him. <laughs> he's got a he's got a great cape. Great yeah. cape, yeah. Top top not cape. Too, not too short. Exactly. Even yeah. Edna Mode would approve of that cape. Yeah, it's a it's a good <laughs> <Yeah>. cape. <laughs> Perfect. We got a couple more questions. We didn't get any answers for these. This came out a little late in the day, I think. But uh what's your favorite film about Russian spies? Mm-hmm. Any favorite films about Russian spies? In Bridge of Spies, he wore that hat. He did wear that hat. I mean, like you know, yeah. quite honestly, it's it's not a film, but the the series, The Americans, is excellent. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's probably yeah, that's probably my answer. It's it's tricky. It's it's not a rush. It's not a spy film per se, but it takes place during the Cold War. I really like uh, K nineteen, The Widowmaker, but Aaron has left the podcast. Doesn't really fit. I was gonna, no, because I was gonna say I had an affair with her because that's what lies beneath. But it's still funny <laughs> to say that with K nineteen. <laughs> uh, we should just mix up Harrison Ford lines in in all of our uh, future episodes. I saw I saw a clip of Harrison Ford on Conan. Like the, I was watching a lot of Conan clips because he when when his show ended because I just I like Conan. And there was one of Harrison Ford uh, do, doing press for K nineteen, and he's like, "But that's such a stupid title for a movie." Like he's thinking about his own movie. He's just like, yeah. <laughs> "Hey man, I, if everyone was as cool as Harrison Ford, just being like, I'm just doing it for the paycheck, that'd be it'd be I more mean, fun." He's good in the movie. It's just like the fact he's that great. Like, in his the movies, ways yeah. you know, because he you know he's not the guy that go he, he 
he he does his character when he's in press mode. So it's like that. he's just like ragging on his own thing. Well, it's just great to see Han Solo and Qui Gon Jinn in the same movie. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. When you say it that way. And um, and um, what's Peter Sarsgaard's character in Green Lantern? Uh, like the shit monster? No, he's not even the shit monster. He's the other thing. He's the big the big head guy. He's the big head guy. He's like some scientist guy. Oh 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 yes. Not um. Uh, I'm blanking, but yes, that, I know exactly. Gonna, that's gonna bug me. <laughs> <Hold on. Yeah>. <laughs> Peter <laughs> Sarsgaard, Green Lantern, <laughs> the wannabe brainiac. Hector Hammond, of course. Hector Hammond. Yeah, we would. We all would have gotten that. Doctor, doctor Hector Hammond or something. Yeah, he's he's a doctor. Sure. <laughs> Hector Hammond. <laughs> I mean, we're we're probably missing all these like John Le Carre films or books, but well, you know, I mean, because they're not necessarily Russian spy movies. That's why I'm not. I mean, I could say yeah. Secret Taylor Soldier Spy, but that's not going to get me. Yeah, that's solid. Spy. That's a good. I, I wasn't it's a great sure movie. I'm just, I'm just not because that's. I'm not. I'm trying to think of Russian. There might spy be a Russian movies. guy in there. Who knows? There are. I mean, it's the Cold it's War. More British. It, by default, yeah. there are Russian spies because that's the nature of these things. But right. I, I wanted to say specifically Russian spies. That's, yeah. Uh, last question is: uh, What are some great movies focused on the sins of the past? Ooh. Unforgiven is my can. Mm. Wow, what happened in that movie? He just did some things in the past, like he mm. he like tipped okay. over a cow once or whatever. Oh, he lives in Davis, California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Unforgiven was actually the inspiration for the sequence in Cars when they're tipping over the cow track. <laughs> <laughs> That's that John Lasseter couldn't no shut idea. up about that in the interviews. <laughs> We should, we should put that on IMDb right now. Who's got IMDb Pro? Did you know? Oh, man. Fact, trivia. Is that how you can add trivia if you're IMDb Pro? Is that the way to do it? I have no idea. I'd like to think that's I, the way to do it. I feel like it has to be Pro, yeah. And then we then we definitely get an account because we can add all this trivia. <laughs> Submitted by out now with their name. Everyone's like always downvoting us. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those Reddit? big tropes, though. Those Sins of the Past movies or like the one last job movies or or whatnot yeah. i think in a way i don't know it's tricky it's almost the inverse but something like the godfather where it's not about it's about the sins of his family's past and then he's trying to stay out of it yeah that counts and then he and then he ends up you know getting pulled right back in so it's yeah. kind of a weird flip but I'll, I'll take it i'll take it any other movies about sins of the past I mean, we mentioned a lot of it already, and I kind of mentioned like Road to Perdition like a couple of, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Um, but yeah, there's like a ton of them that are not really flooding my brain right now. Just but... to, just to recap, you mentioned Road to Perdition because that's a movie that you watched after because Cool Hand Luke, Luke and finished Hulk. finished all of that, but did not <laughs> go did. back and finish Cool Hand Luke. Just you know, I like Tom Hanks too. He's, he's America's Dad. Especially in that movie where he's a, a bloody murderer <laughs> taking care of his son. <laughs> Take care of his uh, son. Take care of his son because he's a mobster that got involved in mob shit, so his family got killed. So yeah, yeah. By default, he needed to take care of his son at that it, point. It was it was Tyler Hochin's fault for sneaking in the bin. If he wasn't involved in the mob <laughs> to begin with, he wouldn't have to deal with this. If 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 t- Paul Newman's real son was a better real son, Daniel Craig, husband to Rachel Vice. <laughs> Wait, is his son played by um? Cory Booker, right? Or not Cory Booker. Senator he's, Booker. He's Senator Booker? <laughs> what do you mean his son? Daniel, Daniel Craig. He, before he dated Rosario Daniel Dawson, Craig, yeah, Senator yeah. Booker had a little known part. <laughs> masquerading <laughs> as Daniel Craig. <laughs> <laughs> who was who then went on to play James Bond? It comes full circle, guys. Come on. 
very confused. Sins of the past. You know, then he played the character in Tintin, and here we are. So that Wait, was I have one more. I okay. have one. I have yeah. one. Uh-huh. The gift. The gift. The gift. The gift. The gift. The gift. Yes, that's a good one. <laughs> Literal representation. Oh, boy. All right. That's that no feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And with that, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing at We Love Entertainment for movie reviews and Wise of Blue for Blu-ray and Criterion reviews. And I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? All right, more fun stuff over my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag. It has so many pockets. (laughs) Uh, Mark Paces, where can people find more of you online? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at PacmanNR7. And... You can also find all my reviews at nerdreactor.com. Adam Jordan, anything you'd like to plug today? You can find me on Twitter at ILTwinAnarchist. Great. You can find all the, all the other episodes about Now Saturday on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HHWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Right on our physical office at slash outnowpodcast or tweet us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And of course, our instagram page instagram.com slash out no score underscore podcast as well mark adam thank you both for joining us today thank you both yeah it was an absolute pleasure gentlemen thanks for having us good good i haven't seen cool like cool hand luke either yeah but you didn't but you didn't you didn't start it then and stop it and it's warner brothers so i assume it's on hbo max and anybody could watch cool it it is on hbo max that's how i'm watching it (laughs) but uh no glad to have you guys here as always good fun for everyone i'd like to thank so thank you for playing thank the listeners for listening and that's going to do it so until next week when we talk about space jam colon a new legacy that's going to do it so until then so long and goodbye Why do you always do that thing? Do what? The thing you do when you're fighting. And the, like the, this, this thing that you do when you whip your hair when you're fighting with the arm and the hair and you do like a fighting pose. It's a, yeah, it's a fighting pose. You're a total poser. Not a poser. <laughs> oh, come on. I mean, they're great poses, but it does look like you think everyone's looking at you like all the time.